1: I yeah, am just noticing that my microwave clock is off by about 30 seconds. Uh, not that it has seconds, but it didn't say 7 o'clock until after the show had started. That's going to drive me crazy the entire uh, show. <laughs> Cause I'm gonna, I have the tendency because I know it's there, right? So I'm going to want to run around and fix my, uh, fix my clock, but I have to wait three hours to do it. And there are things like that that just drive you nuts. <laughs> it's the little things, I'll tell you. This uh, Cicero, the pebble in your shoe. You know, you're going to have uh, the greatest calamities in the world. And what bugs you? It's that little pebble in your shoe. Today is March 15th. I'm going to write this down here. I'm actually writing the dates down on my notebook. I have, want uh, to seven <laughs> notebooks, you know, that I've done in the last. I don't know, probably since uh, I started the show. That would have been four years ago. So that's not bad. It's over a notebook a year. But so these are big spiral, you know, notebooks. You know, five subject notebooks, and I, you know, tend to go through them rather quickly. Um, take a lot of notes during the show. So. Yesterday, something really incredible happened. We had Brandon uh, Strzok, is I guess how you pronounce it. Uh, it's spelled Straka, but I guess you don't pronounce the ah. Uh, uh. So Brandon Strack was on. Um, walk away. hashtag Walkaway, Walkaway Foundation, Walkaway uh, social, and all these different things. It was really, it was really interesting to talk to him um, because we got into some pretty in-depth subjects about why the left is the way it is and why walk away as opposed to stay. And, you know, what's where do we go from here? And we talked about our legislation um, and he's really interested, you know, really interested uh, and what kind of groups that I can form on uh, walk away social and how we can encourage those half a million people to start copying bill links and sending them to Congress, sending them to other media uh, and how we can work together. So every time I do this, uh, it's interesting. I mean, nobody, you know, I haven't met anybody yet, um, especially public figures that don't like what we do here, you know, and it's, 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 always a reinforcement to me, although I'll tell you a funny story in a minute, but it's, it's a constant reminder that we're doing the right thing. I mean, I always knew we were doing the right thing. Even when I was doing two hour monologues and I was the only one on the show. And when we, when I first started out after I, uh, I had that wonderful time at, uh, 1330 AM W E B Y um, before the station closed down, that we had a building audience. We were reaching out the internet. We were getting national and, and, and world listeners. Uh the show was growing like crazy. It was just amazing what was happening. And we were really starting to take off right when, you know, the rug got pulled out from, from under the whole station. Um so that was too bad. So we started over again to blog talk and again, you know, once again by myself, you know, building an audience from nothing, you know, starting completely over again. Um, but uh, as we grew and as we got uh, more, of a, more of a national show and, again, more international, uh, again, a lot of folks are listening. We have a regular uh, contributor from the Netherlands, uh, Cyanide 77. It's not spelled C-Y-N. It's S-C something. Anyway, it, it, it's obviously a Dutch thing. He'll, he'll explain sometime uh, where his name comes from, but the point is that we're starting over. We're doing better. We've got just uh, amazing people have been on the show, Dr. Robert Malone, uh, Dr. Peter McCullough, uh, Christina Bob, Peter Navarro, Robert Spencer, major uh, public figures and experts in their field. And yesterday, uh, Brandon Strzok, you know, from Walkaway. And just uh, the things that he is doing of, of saying, you know what, it's like a dysfunctional relationship being a Democrat. <laughs> you know, you're never going to pick the other party. The only thing you can do is leave. <laughs> I just thought that was hysterical. Uh, so listen to the show from yesterday. Pass it around. Share it around. Uh, and uh, hopefully we've got lots of folks there. So there's a few things going on. <laughs> you know, on in the world today that uh, I always try to look in depth and look beyond. That's why I don't report stories right away. So I have a little bit of banking stuff for you this half hour. We've got to Wendy Arthur and the Oh My God Report at the bottom. Uh, I've got the next hour open. I'm going to talk about censorship, the censorship industrial complex, probably the most critical story right now, even more so than the banks. Uh, and of course, it's gone. <laughs> you know, they held the hearings in Congress yesterday and, and, and it was just obliterated because the people who would most object to censorship the media are the ones most engaging in it, you know, and followed closely behind by big tech. So you've got self-censorship. You've got uh, journalists coming out of school as basically censorship monitors, you know, and so that's what they're being taught these days. You know, don't tell the story. Don't, don't make waves. Don't go against the narrative, you know, just follow the government line and, uh, you know, be, uh, you know, so the difference between journalism and, yeah, I bet you, they probably, you might as well just do a double major, journalism and public relations, (laughs) because they pretty much amount to the same thing. Um, so I don't I don't see any, any reason for, you know, anything else. Anyway, do, oh, there it is. Okay, fine. Just looking, um, trying to organize my, organize my desk as I'm talking here. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about censorship. We've got um, Diane Warner, who does the Election Integrity Report. That'll be in the third hour. And we've got a special guest, Chris uh, Jersky, from uh, the People's Audit. And he's another election, you know, person. And it's going to be fun. It's going to be a good time. So I've got, uh, in like fact, I originally listed the the, the FECI report. Uh, Bill's been off for a couple of months, till back, sometime, not sure when. You know, when, when I know you'll know, <laughs> especially when he's back on the air, uh, that's going to be a help. So we're just going to kind of vamp and, uh, and take care of things and uh, have a little bit of fun right now with some of the stuff going on. And so I was looking at the banking articles. And, oh, they did it again. Uh, they, they've got this pop-up thing, which I'm, Oh, I guess this is how I get rid of it. Let's see if that works. Okay, good. I want to get to some of the articles I found that are a little more interesting than most, uh, about this, this whole Silicon Valley bank, the SVB, uh, basically we, we should call it the, the woke bank, <laughs> you know, you know, Silicon woke bank, you know, uh, basically, you know, what did we talk about over the weekend? I said, how long I took a poll, I think I wrote this Saturday. I said, how long is it going to be before, uh, the, the, Braden, the, ben, the Brandon Insurrection. It's really funny saying, Brandon, talking about yesterday when Brandon was on the show. That was – I realized that later. When, you know, that was kind of dumb, but everybody knows who I mean, so it's okay. Um, but uh, the Silicon Valley Bank that uh, donated, what, $70 million to Black Lives Matter. This, there's a waste, a complete waste of money. Uh, if you had $70 million for them, be not, I'll, I'll take 70000 for Action Radio. And I'll do more with that for freedom than uh, Black Lives Matter will do other than, you know, buy more mansions and spend more money and, you know, hire more limo. whatever Black Lives Matter does with all the millions upon millions upon millions of money that they get. Uh, obviously, it, it, it doesn't change black lives. You know, how come they're not labeled a black supremacy group? You know, because if you say Black Lives Matter, you might as well just say only Black Lives Matter because that's really what the group's about. You know, you, you can't say all lives matter. Really? So, so in other words, you can only say black lives matter. That's, that's racism. Anyway, we'll talk about that later. So the woke bank, which buys into all the racism and reverse guilt, you know, white people bad, you know, everybody else good. You know, there are people of color and people of no color. Or it's white people. There are people of gender and then there are white guys. <laughs> you know, it's like the world segregates up that way. It's kind of funny. But uh, that's not the real reason they went broke. Uh, I was listening to a Tucker Carlson Monday show, and I've probably got some evidence for it here. I'll take a look. Uh, we've got a bunch of art, like four articles I'm going to kind of skim through here. Um, but really what it comes down to is that they uh, uh, brought interest rates down to zero. Now, I've long reported that they do this during Democrat administrations to make them look better. That would be Obama. I don't think they didn't Clinton. They certainly didn't during the Obama administration. And then, of course, as soon as Trump came into office, uh, they waited a year uh, when Trump got the economy going and started roaring. You know, and, it, uh, you know, whatever, four or five percent growth from the, the like barely, you know, point, you know, five percent, you know, or maybe it was as high as one percent or maybe a little slightly above that during the Obama, uh, you know, the, the treason reign. Um, but uh, the growth was pitiful. And so the interest rate was zero. But as soon as Trump actually had the economy going, then the Fed, you know, not wanting Republicans to succeed and certainly not Donald Trump, raised interest rates like two three percent for no reason. There was no reason to raise interest rates during the Trump administration when you had them at, at zero for the Obama administration. Uh, so you had zero rates for them, and the economy wasn't going anywhere. Trump had a booming economy, even with 2 uh, 3% interest rates, which was purely punishment, which was designed solely to slow down the Trump economy so that he wouldn't look good. Well, it didn't matter. He looked great. <laughs> You know, that's why I want to back in. Oh, we got some interesting news on uh, Ron DeSantis. So if you go to our Trump 2024 campaign, the Action Radio Trump 2024 campaign, there's a whole thing by a Tea Party author about why Ron DeSantis is nothing but a rhino globalist statist. Uh, he's the last person you want the presidency. And I was surprised because I thought he might be okay. But uh, I was watching a, um, a news article with Ron uh, juxtaposed with Nikki Haley. And so there, there's the dream ticket now. Uh, so there's like Mike Pence who thinks he's going to be nominee because he, he scuttled uh, Trump you know, in a treasonous act uh, of denying Trump electors January 6th, causing you know, most of the problems of January 6th. Uh, in fact, causing the, the whole protest, the whole reason people were there was to make sure Mike Pence wouldn't do again what he did in mid-December, which was deny the Trump electors. Well, of course, he did. And that's how they install Brandon. He thinks that's going to get him the Republican nomination. So then that, But Mike Pence looks old and looks too attached to Trump, so they're, they're kind of passing him, uh, and they're going for Ron DeSantis, trying to draft him. Uh, whether he's running or not, I don't really care. But apparently, and you know, this is the problem with people that need money, You know, the beauty of Donald Trump is he doesn't need any money. You know, you, don't, you can't bribe Donald Trump because he's got principle. He loves his country. He doesn't need your money, donors. So he says and does what, what's in the best interest of all of us, which is what makes him a better candidate than virtually anybody else in the country, uh, unless somebody else is equally rich and equally benevolent in terms of the United States. I don't think you're going to find that combination too often. All right. Anyway, so, so apparently Ron uh, does what his donors say. Uh, the thing with Disney is not as good as you think. Uh, I still remember Ron DeSantis locked down the state of Florida. People forget. This has been conveniently left out of the news, but Ron DeSantis had a safer at home, you know, beach and park lockdown, school lockdown. He did all the things that the other dictators around the country did. He just he just ended it sooner. That's the only difference between him and, say, Witch Widmer up in uh, Michigan. Well, I forgot her first name. I just call her Witch Widmer. She looks dangerous. Um, but, uh, but she maintained the lockdowns, as did, uh, you know, Gavin Newsom, you know, the, the globalist dream child. Um, you know, from the, I'm sure, I don't know if he went to... The World Economic Forum, you know, the, the Young Global Leaders uh, Program, or as I call it, Communist Boot Camp. I don't know if, I'm sure he did attend that, or maybe he just listened to his aunt, you know, Nancy uh, Pelosi. <laughs> he would basically dictate all the things he was going to do. But, um, but these, these folks are a problem. Anyway, first article, Silicon Valley Bank bailout didn't need to happen. And this is from the American Prospect uh, website. Articles by Dr. – excuse me, by David Dayen, D-A-Y-E-N, March 13th, so just a few days ago, actually two days ago. And he says, he says, the brightest minds in and around San Francisco (laughs) – well, that's a contradiction anyway, but beside the point. San Francisco Bay had an unadulterated meltdown over the weekend over the failure of Silicon Valley Bank, uh, known colloquially as SVB. This was a failure that they themselves caused, of course. Mind you, engineering a digital flash bank run that forced SVB to realize, in other words, get heavy losses, mostly from interest rate hikes Uh, and banks' unbelievable failure to even attempt to manage uh, interest rate risk. So this, this is like a Derek Park thing. I'll see if I can explain it uh, as best I can. But the article says the venture capitalist led mob, in other words, rich people who uh, invest heavily in, in internet uh, and high-tech startups in Silicon Valley, some work, some don't. You know, if they work, you make a killing. If they don't work, you lose everything. But that, that's what venture capital is all about, picking the people that are most likely to succeed to make you more money than you give them uh, to get their company. That's what a venture capitalist does. Sometimes they're right, sometimes they're not. If they're right more often than they're not, they're going to make a whole lot of money. You know, if, they're not, uh, if they're not right more often than they are, then they're not going to be venture capitalists very long. It's a free market, so there's nothing wrong with that. nothing wrong with failure. If you, if you, maybe you're just not a good venture capitalist. You pick the wrong companies. Okay, pick another line of work. You know, Go into car sales. <laughs> whatever, you know, whatever works for you. Uh, but not everybody can be a venture capitalist because not everybody's going to give you capital to venture with if you're not good at it. Unless you have your own. That's another story. Back to the article. The venture capitalist-led mob quickly moves on another dire warning because over 90% of SVB, that would be Silicon Valley banks, depositors exceeded $250,000 in guaranteed FDIC insurance. Oops. Now, wait a minute. The government says you're only insured up to $250,000. So if you deposit more than $250,000, that's your problem because you're only going to be insured up to $250,000. It says so right at the door. And it used to be 100000 right? So you walk into a bank, it says very plainly on the door, FDIC, you know, Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation uh, is insuring all deposits to now $250,000. So if you deposit more than that, that's your problem. So you get back your 250000 that's guaranteed, like it says on the door. And after that, you know, you should have put the money somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, that's not our part. We don't bail you out because you're stupid. Too stupid to realize that only a certain amount was guaranteed. And who leaves more than $250,000 in a bank anyway? Unless you're a corporation. If you're a corporation, why don't you have a corporate bank? Why don't you start your own bank? You know, use a credit union. I mean, uh, we have Navy Federal here. Navy Federal, probably one of the biggest banks in the country. Or Savings and Loans, excuse me, Savings and Loans. Navy Federal, which, you know, basically works for the Navy. <laughs> you know, they have a, it, you have to be a veteran to get an account there, as far as I know. Not to work there, but uh, I think to get an account there, you know. So it's, uh, and they do very well savings alone they know what they're doing okay i don't know how much their accounts are in to, too but i've never had seen them a problem anyway so that's good bank they work well employ a lot of people make a lot of money everything's great okay this one's a bad bank because they got people you know depositing a ridiculous amount of money uh and expecting it to be guaranteed well if it says two hundred fifty thousand dollars, then that's what the guarantee should be fifty thousand dollars. any more than that you lose it don't leave so much money in a bank you know especially a liberal woke bank because obviously they don't work, but you know, they, they would probably do that because you know, it's like driving Teslas. You go to Silicon Valley, everybody drives a Tesla um, because the corporate culture requires it. If you don't drive a Tesla, if you don't drive an electric car and plug it into your, your corporate hookup, because every parking space at uh, Facebook and Google and you know whoever else is there, Instagram, I don't know who else is there. I know Facebook and Google are there, uh, but every parking spot has an electric uh, plug-in and you better use it. You know, just imagine, I'm sure they monitor, uh, uh, Mr. Benglis, you have uh, seen that you're, uh, you're driving a, a gasoline, a, a fossil fuel vehicle, and we really, uh, we really expect people to drive electric emission-free vehicles. Well, geez, where do you think the electric power comes from? You know, in, in California, it would be natural gas, a, a fossil what I call an organic fuel. So They're just lying to themselves, but that's nothing new for woke. Woke as a joke is broke. Uh, and lies to themselves. Back to the account here. <laughs> the the, the um, article. $250,000 in guaranteed FDIC insurance, the government must make them 100% whole. Immediately, or every regional bank in America will see the same failure. Okay, so let me start that sentence again. The venture capitalist-led mob quickly moved on to another dire warning because over 90%, over 90%, let me say that again, 90% of, of Silicon Valley Bank's depositors exceeded... $250,000. So 90% of the people deposited more money than they could get back if the bank failed. That alone should cause them to lose money being that stupid. But again, uh, and then it says the government must make them 100% whole. No, the government must not make them 100% whole. They were stupid. See, this is the problem. We don't have to bail them out. Then it says immediately, or every regional bank in America will see the same failure. Well, then every regional bank in America will see the same failure. Then they all need to restructure and make new banks. That's how capitalism – sorry, I didn't mean to say capitalism. That's a Marxian term. That's how the free market works. The free market means you're just as free to succeed as you are to fail. If you screw up, if people deposit more than is insured, that's not our problem. That's not the taxpayer's problem because most taxpayers aren't rich enough to have $250,000, let alone 90% of depositors of the bank have more than $250,000. So America's not really sympathetic to this. These are rich people who screwed up and get bailed out, whereas poor people who lose their jobs – uh, there's only a certain amount of bailout, you know, unemployment, uh, food stamps, things like that, but nothing compared to the billions of dollars that are going to be paid these people, uh, venture capitalists, you know, capital riskers, things like that. Now, we need them, but uh, you don't pay them when they screw up. Then it says hedge fund titan Bill Ackman, A-C-K-M-A-N, venture capitalist S-A-C-K-S, and angel – what's an angel investor? <laughs> uh, Jason – Calacanis, C-A-L-A-C-A-N-I-S, C-A-L-A-C-A-N-I-S, led the charge, saying thousands of startups, firm, startup firms will have trouble making payroll, and other regionals won't be able to stop a torrent of withdrawals. They essentially took out, well, the reason they have withdrawals is because nobody wants to leave money in the bank. If the bank closes, better to get your money out first. <laughs> That's what a bank run is. They essentially took, a, over, took out a match next to a gas pump and, and demanded that federal regulators not force them to light it. Well, that's interesting. Interesting analogy. I don't think it's appropriate, but, you know, I didn't write the article. It says it worked. Federal officials announced a backstop, in other words, bailout, right, <laughs> to fully protect all depositors. Yep, that's a bailout <laughs> at both Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank, of course, that's in New York, two liberal strongholds, Silicon Valley, south of San Francisco, in New York. So we're talking leftist banks. A leftist population, leftist banks get bailed out by a leftist illegal government. Yeah, what's the problem, right? And this is which on Sunday. Depositors will have access to all their money starting Monday, March 13th. That would have been yesterday. Uh, No, two days ago. Uh, The Joint Administration, the Reserve, and the FDIC read a special bank assessment will offer, will offset losses. In other words, they'll pay for a the money they stupidly risked, uh, all shareholders and bondholders will be protected, will not be protected, with senior management uh, fired. Oh, good. $25 billion fund has been initiated to protect deposits, even though the theory uh, is that no taxpayer funds will be implicated. Oh, yeah, they will. <laughs> if, if the government's paying over $25 billion, where, where do you think they're going to get it from? So much for that article. Let's try another one. The aftermath of the Silicon Valley Bank's bailout. See, it was a bailout, right? This is Axios. Uh, This is from – this is actually – well, it says 12 hours ago. Let me refresh my screen here and see how old this article is. Timing is, of course, important. Uh, May 13th, March 13th, so two days ago. The aftermath of a bailout, banks blowout from Axios. For months and months, everyone who follows markets has warned that the Federal Reserve's aggressive monetary tightening would inevitably break things. Let me explain that. Monetary tightening, raising interest rates. Okay. It it says, the big picture, over the weekend, we learned what those things were, Uh, large regional U.S. banks and the lengths that regulators would go to keep that breakage from spiraling into a nationwide bank run. In other words, everybody runs to the regional bank and takes the money out, okay? This is driving the news. So, well, of course, those of us, there's no reason to take your money out if you have more than, if you have less than $250,000 in a bank, you know, most people probably only have $250 in a bank, maybe a few thousand for emergencies. Most people don't have that much money in banks because most people don't have that much money. Most people are in debt. They've got car payments, mortgages. Most people are in debt. Most people don't have any money. Most of this nation is in debt. We should talk about that sometime too. This nation functions on debt. And it's time we we got on the positive side of savings, of not having debt. I was debt-free for a while. (laughs) Then I started Action Radio. That's another story. The big picture, over the weekend, we learned most – okay, driving the news. Here we go. Sunday night, the government said it will fully guarantee depositors in failed Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank. The Fed unveiled the new bottomless facility (laughs) – that's a scary term – to ensure all banks can access cash on favorable terms, in other words, free and easy money, should they see deposit runs of their own. So in other words, if people run to the banks to get their money back, the federal government will take our tax dollars and reimburse the bank for the money the depositors took out. Well, that's insane. <laughs> why, why would you do that? That's like taking a failed business and uh, buying all the things that uh, people returned that were broken. <laughs> okay. No, it doesn't work that way. You know, that'd, be like, that'd be like paying a company that has a product recall. So let's say uh, Ford, Ford Pinto. Everybody, you know, let's go back to a classic case. Ford, you know, everybody takes their Pintos back and they're going to a reimbursement. Okay, and the government says, we'll pay you for all the Fords you produced that had explosive gas tanks. <laughs> that's kind of what this is. You know, it, 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 this is the banking version of the Ford Pinto, except that the, the government's reimbursing the banks for all the money that, uh, you know, a banks are a commercial enterprise. They're business. Banks are business. You deposit your money there. They take your money and invest it, and they give uh, slightly, you know, they give a, a tiny portion of what they make off your money back to you in interest. Maybe. <laughs> you know, that, that's what a bank is. We use banks for convenience, because you need bank accounts for credit cards, you need credit cards for debt, and you need debt to survive, because back to what I said a few minutes ago, most Americans are in debt. That's how it works, all right? So then it says, while the focus last night was on the deposit guarantee, in many ways the Fed facility, which allows banks to access cash by pledging collateral without a haircut, what is a more remarkable step? Why it matters. Here we go. The government has stepped up and offered assurance that bank deposits are safe, which uh, helps stem the immediate panic. But the whole episode is evidence that the pain from monetary tightening, in other words, interest rates, has only just begun. Okay. Over the last year, higher interest rates have hit the housing industry and the tech sector, but not much else. That may be changing. <laughs> really, Captain Obvious? <laughs> Especially if the events of the last several days cause banks nationwide to tighten their lending standards. In other words, they're going to keep more money on hand. They're going to be more restrictive of how much cash goes out. But that's actually a good thing. I don't see that as a problem. Right. Because if the banks are being more responsible with their loans, they won't have as many defaulted loans, they won't lose as much money, that makes the banks safer, and people are more likely to deposit money into a bank that actually is doing better with their money, right? The scene, back to the article. This whole episode has many echoes of the 2008 crisis. Oh yeah, we covered that yesterday with, uh, no, actually Tuesday, no, that was yesterday, uh, with Brianna Cannon on the government inquiry report. We compared the depression to 2008 to now. Article says, uh, echoes of the 2008 crisis when a series of shocking financial interventions were announced on Sunday evenings. This was, for that reason, a nostalgic weekend. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, chair Jerome Powell, that's chair of the Fed, canceled a planned trip to Basel, Switzerland. What, so you, you get instructions from the World Economic Forum? Uh, for meetings with his fellow global central bankers. Yeah, I was right. In order to stay in Washington uh, and attend to the panic. So, in other words, he didn't go to Switzerland to meet with all the other people that are causing you know, panics in their countries. That's fascinating. Article says Fed officials worked late nights and early mornings from home over the weekend to develop the response. And, well, how long did it take to develop a response to bail out banks that they shouldn't have bailed out? What, 30 seconds? <laughs> you know, and, and anyway, so, and, it says, and staff dropped in and out of an hours-long video conference. I think what took the time was, was how, to, how to bail out the banks without telling people you were bailing out the banks. That's probably what took the time, right? Next article, Financial Samurai, how to prepare for another bank run as the contagion spreads. This is March 10th. So these folks were actually in advance. What was the 10th? The 10th that was, was, was probably the Friday. All right, so Friday was the 10th. So these people already had a plan knowing what was coming over the weekend. These guys are good. So this is Financial Samurai website. Uh, it doesn't say who, it just says Financial Samurai. March 10th. Sadly, Silicon Valley Bank, SVB, uh, the 16th largest bank in America at the end of 2022 experienced a bank run. In other words, people wanted their money. <laughs> now the contagion has spread to other regional banks, such as First Republic Bank, Signature Bank, which are already closed, Zion's Bank Corp, PacWest, Commercia, and Charles Schwab. And Charles Schwab has a bank and, I guess, a stock market uh, company as well. Even the largest banks were getting hit as well. Ultimately, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, that's the FDIC, the data this hardly was written, it would take over SVB, that's Silicon Valley Bank, and that its depositors will, with up to $250,000 will have access to their deposits no later than Monday morning, which was two days ago. In the meantime, the FDIC will find a buyer so that depositors with over $250,000 will also be made whole. What do you mean made whole? That's not the responsibility of the federal government. That's the responsibility of Silicon Valley Bank to quote, Make whole. <laughs> so the federal government guarantees two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Okay, fine. So the federal government is going to get that's 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 an agreement. I understand that. So anything above that, that's up to the bank and the depositors. They get it from them. They don't get it from us. We we didn't. We're not beneficiaries of Silicon Valley Bank. We're not part of the woke mob, you know. But they're really promised interest rates. You know, they didn't apparently, as I heard explained on Tucker Carlson and some other places, interest rates. I talked about this a little bit earlier uh, in this half hour. Because interest rates were zero, you know the banks weren't making any money. They weren't making any interest, so they had to go long-term treasuries. Well, apparently the treasuries were at such a low value and a low interest rate uh, that now that the uh, the treasuries are at a much higher interest rate, people are buying new treasuries and they're ignoring the old treasuries, which are losing value. So you can't trade the old treasuries. So banks that invested a huge amount of money in treasuries a few years ago, when uh, treasuries were a whole lot in. Uh, those bonds are worth nothing, you know, or not much right now. And the only bonds that are worth money are the ones that are paying the four and five and whatever percentage interest they're paying now. So why would people, you know, hang on to old bonds that are, you know, not paying like point one interest or whatever they're paying point five, maybe one percent, uh, compared to the four or five percent they can get from bonds now? Well, you dump the old ones, get the new ones. But if you're if your cash, if all your if all your stuff is held in these old bank deposits, you know, you're not going to get anywhere. You know, and that's a, that's the bank's not a problem. Next problem. Let's get to uh, Pianke, you Just popped up on the screen. Uh, see here next morning, Piaski. What do you think of all this?
2: Well, you can have $10 dollars in a, a bank, and it's all insured. It just depends on what category that you have insured under. You and your wife—that's five hundred thousand dollars. Then <throat> you got IRAs, trust funds, mm-hmm. CDs, what they call DIL deposit mm-hmm. insurance fund. So if anybody don't take advantage of those, I don't
1: know what to tell. No, but if you have more money in the bank, if you have more than $250,000 in a bank, then that money is not insured. That's not our problem as taxpayers. That's your problem if you have the account. You know, and I, I know these are corporate accounts. It depends
2: accounts, on, on should... what category it, it... Trust me. It depends on okay. what category you have in it.
1: Okay, give me a for instance.
2: So if you just got it in a single account, it's only built mm-hmm. for $250,000. Actually, that should be increased because $250,000 is, is nothing to acquire nowadays with people moving into professions and so forth that pays a lot mm-hmm. of money. But it all goes under the category of wise money management. And if people with uh, Silicon Valley Bank, if they didn't use wise money management, and also the bank itself has some toxic activity going on with this uh, woke and green deal uh, investments.
1: Mm-hmm. Then what
2: do you expect?
1: But here's the problem, though. Why would we insure bank deposits and not insure stock market portfolios or real estate? Why isn't your house guaranteed a certain value? You know, if you have a free market, you have to have a free market. I wouldn't insure anybody's account. You know, the banks have to go on who has the best reputation. You don't have insurance. You know, I mean, granted, you know, companies have product recalls and liability for their products and things like that. And you can take things back if they don't work, but a lot of times, you know, you'll you'll have stores that say credit only or things like that. Everybody has a different policy when it comes to returns. So, so why we're guaranteeing banks, I think, is wrong when we don't guarantee, you know, stocks and real estate and all the other investments out there. Treasuries, they're not guaranteed. Brokerage accounts money, have a
2: similar. Brokerage accounts have a similar protection also.
1: But that's independent. That, uh, that is yeah. that government or is that independent? Is that by the corporation that does it?
2: Well, if the FCC regulates, then they have to bring the FDIC into the mix.
1: You how know, much they, your stock market? You think, how much of investment are investment? they similar
2: They similar to other accounts.
1: Yes. Yeah. See, I, okay. Unless oh, so you I got a wrong. Berkshire,
2: it, uh-huh. unless you got a Warren Buffett the Berkshire Hathaway. Uh, holdings, which is about
1: $450,000 per share. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, see, he never split his stock. He's never done anything that, uh, you know, regular folks do. Listen, I got Wendy. I'm going to get onto her report here. Uh, See, she wants to, uh, you know, this would be a great time to talk about finances and debt and, uh, you know, how how God manages money. But uh, guaranteeing it by the government. In other words, people can invest and taxpayers have to cover their losses, yet they get to keep their, their profits. That's wrong. That is completely wrong, but uh, let's get to Wendy and we'll take it up and, and just or whatever she wants to take up. We have the next hour after, after Wendy to talk about this and, and other things, but I want to get back into the censorship uh, thing as well, because that story has completely disappeared for obvious reasons. <laughs> the media, the people that are censoring, so they're not going to talk about it. Here we go. Do you really want the truth? Do you have questions you can't ask in church? Welcome to the Oh My God Report. Wendy Arthur is more concerned with truth than propaganda, putting more value in scripture than religion, and more about you and your relationship with God than your membership in any church. This is Christianity with a Kick. Wendy's back. (laughs) Hi, Wendy. (laughs) <laughs> World's most infectious giggle. This is why I do this to her every time.
3: <laughs> well, this this has just been um, quite the wild ride this month so far.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah.
3: And, yeah. and uh, the money is on everybody's mind right now because a lot of people can't even get theirs. Um, mm-hmm. So I thought it would be a, a good thing to talk about money regarding... Um, the biblical view how god views it and how about
1: um, that so that was a good yeah. segue huh yeah good. how about when you talk yeah. about you know, god and money i mean mean, it, it makes perfect sense so yeah
3: yeah because you because know, most people think the only correlation that god and money have is a uh, past past a plate at church you know they they have no uh-huh. idea um you know how god views money they just think that the church needs it to keep the lights on you know
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's it yeah. That's kind of funny. Actually. It's
3: serious. Well, I mean, that, that's about as, as as deep as they go when they think about you know churches and money. But well, that's um, so that's as deep as most pastors
1: and priests and ministers go too.
3: They don't realize it's not just to keep the lights on, you know. Because honestly, you can pitch a tent and go you know help hold service out in the field somewhere, mm. but like they used to in the brush our meetings, you know, um, mm-hmm. is what they don't realize is is most churches. Um, I don't know a church who doesn't have one. It's called a benevolence fund. And whenever somebody in the community comes in and says, you know, I have this problem and I just don't have the funds for it, church is quietly behind the scenes um, if they're, you know, truly doing the Lord's work um, and they and they feel like the person is, is being honest because a lot of people, you know, do churches just the same way they do, you know, government programs. They'll come in and try to scam, you know.
0: <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. And,
3: um, but, but it's Human nature being me, what it is. You know. um Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, they they will help them, you know. So uh, a lot of money goes into the benevolent fund and helping people in the community. And a lot of churches have homeless ministries and and feeding the poor and you know the you know, people who they're working but they just don't have enough, you know. So uh, groceries are short, the car breaks down, whatever. I mean, yet yeah, there's a lot of things that churches do with money, um, which is what God would have you do, you know, help people, mm-hmm. um, you know, fill the need. Um and so there's it's not just, okay, well, you know, here we are, the pastor needs a new car. Well pastors unless they're um scamming the people, don't don't buy their cars from church money.
0: <laughs> you know one so, would think.
3: Um, it's, one would think, although people <laughs> have been getting caught and you know and I'm glad. So um yeah. if if there if you aren't being a, a true shepherd of the flock, if you're just a hireling, if you're just you know, in it to to, you know, for here my show on Sunday, you know. Then your your time is very limited. You're coming down, so because God is 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 headed, He's coming back for a pure bride, uh, and His church is His bride, and He's He's not coming back for somebody who is who's you know like that. So, fair warning, if somebody's not doing right in the pulpit, just telling you right now you better straighten it up
1: <laughs> I, need, I need like a james Earl um, a james Hill jones uh, voice at this point you have been warned
3: yes Yes. like yes
1: with, a, with um, like a deep well, echo so, I, yeah. I gotta work on that
3: <laughs> <laughs> There's, god looks at your money as as a tool uh-huh. It is it is what you need to get the things that your family needs and people in the community need if they're in need. You know, it, 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 it is a tool. You are According to Ephesians, we are to have enough to provide for our families and for those in need. Uh-huh. Um, and we are to leave uh, an inheritance for our children's children. So, you know, t- your kids and your grandkids. Um, so God is not against money because, you know, in order to do that, you have to have money, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> if you're if you're just thinking I, I just need to get by and just take care of my own, that's not you know, that's kind of selfish. So um, God wants you blessed financially so that you can provide for yourself and others. Um, it's just what you should do. Um, so, um, but there are people who think that money is their security instead of God, and they trust in their their riches instead of God, and. So many people, if you'll look around the world right now, are panicking, I mean panicking, because they can't get their hands on their money that they've been trusted in. So if that's where your trust has been, you're going to be mm-hmm. in fear, you're going to be in panic mode, and you will not have any peace at all in your house or in your mind. <laughs> so.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. The psychology um, of money is, I, I talked to uh, Derek about this on last Friday. I'm going to look for like a money psychologist. Apparently, it's actually a profession. Deals with the emotions of money all really? the
0: okay. of, of oh, oh yeah, people in
1: panic, and this is the beauty of. of uh, That's why all my reporters should listen to all my other reporters because you, you wouldn't believe how brilliant you all are. And when you take it all together and you start, you know, putting pieces together, it's quite fascinating. But uh, he has to deal all the time with people seeing the market drop down, and like, I was, in fact, I was talking to Brian about this the other day with with cryptocurrency. You know, it's like the market's dropping. It's just, well, they've lost you know a hundred billion dollars in uh, or, or whatever it was in, in, in. I said, well, have they sold the I said, do you lose money if you sell the stock? Uh, yeah. No, you'll lose money if you sell. Pianke knows this. You know, that uh, these losses, if you, if you hang on to your stock, you hang on to these things until you know, it goes back up. If it stays permanently down, yeah, but well, that's different. Um, but uh, a lot of times these things, the market overall grows. So chances are if you just leave things alone, eventually the market will come back and exceed. But the emotions, people, you know, the, the idea is, you know, buy low, sell high. But the panic is, you know, buy high, you know, with greed. Well, with fear, <laughs> you know, and this, is, and this is what really drives the market. This is crazy.
3: Yeah, well, and if people understood just how badly manipulated the market is, um, yeah. they probably would not invest in the stock market. <laughs> because it's the same elites that are, are control the Fed and which is not federal in any way, shape or form. It is individuals mm-hmm. yep. um, who own that, yep. um, that th- it, they are the same ones who control the market. And with all the things going on, with all the banks closing and all that kind of stuff right now, how in the world could the stock market be up 300
1: points? (laughs) Good question.
3: Does not happen, people. Wake up, okay? This is a clarion call to everyone to get a clue as to what is really happening and who is really in charge, and it's not them. It's God, okay? So. Do not put your trust in your riches. Do not think money is going to save you or solve all the problems. That's not how it works. So money is just a tool. Things done to pay your bills, to get what you need, to take care of people in the community, um, and to leave an inheritance to your children and children's children. And, you know, fund the things of the kingdom of God. That's where you get the return on anything that you give is God always returns to you. Things. It could be money. It could be favor. It could be blessings of all kinds. It could be, you know, uh, great health for you and your family. It could be all kinds of stuff. But those are the blessings of the Lord, and it comes back to those who have been um, giving. He says he loves the cheerful giver. You know, people who enjoy giving to help people. God mm-hmm. blesses that in all kinds yeah, of ways. So, well, and he yeah, says can he can focus radio. on money.
1: Yeah, the same thing here with, with with you know what we're doing here. I've had you know just ridiculous financial conditions. I've never worked you know from nothing, you know, um, and it's okay. You know, day to day, you know, I, it's a, I keep the faith and uh, you know what's happened that keep me going. You know, I know that's going to change one day, um, but in the meantime, it's yes. just I don't worry about it. I've never worried about it. You know, and there's right. always something that comes through, it's and you uh, that's do. that's God. <laughs> You're right there. Yeah.
3: Yes,
2: it is.
3: Yes, it is. So I, I want to encourage people because, you know, Scripture says in, in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs talks about money a lot. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
3: and, and, matter of fact, it is, it is the number one uh, topic uh, that is covered simply because it's so important to people, you know. Mm-hmm. So God wants you to have his, his view on things. But he says if, if you chase after money, it's going to grow wings like an eagle and it's just going to fly off. Mm-hmm. Don't pursue money pursue your, your assignment, you know, in life. Pursue that. Money will come if you're handling things correctly.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: So uh, just like you said, you're doing with Action Radio. You know, you, you are doing what you need to do. It's, it's going to come. Don't worry about it. It's going to come. The provision will come. Um, yeah. but right now, God is in the middle of dismantling the world system the world monetary system, because it was never set up the way he wanted it to to be set up. The way it's set up right now enslaves people. It makes you a slave. And that is not what God wants. He's about your freedom. So um, don't panic when you see all these banks failing. The prophets have been, you know, prophesying this for over a year, almost two years now. Um, Hmm. So here it is. Here it is upon us. And because people say, oh, well, well, this prophet said that last week, and it hasn't come to pass. They're a false prophet, you know, and <laughs> we get this all the time. Yeah. No. <laughs> so you need to understand that it is going to come. You know, yeah. it will be in God's timing, not yours. And people think <clears throat> that God is not really in charge of things because it doesn't happen immediately. We're in this microwave generation. So, no, just wait. Wait. And so yeah. here it is. Here's here's the start of the takedown of the Babylonian system, as you know Scripture calls it, um, uh-huh. because God wants a new system in place. He wants it set up the way He originally wanted it set up, and it, because it has, He's given them literally hundreds of years to to get things right and to repent and to do what's right, and they have not. So they they have already signed their own fate, um, and it's not going to go well for them. And um, Mike tried to um, click on three different stories about banks closing uh, mm-hmm. this morning, and it will not let him open the article.
1: Hmm. Will not.
3: And I'm thinking they don't want them in panic, right? So. Well, they don't
1: want certain. See, most people aren't affected by this. What about the fact that you know the the, the 90% of the Silicon Valley bank deposits? Department- had over $250,000. How many people in this country even have over $250,000 in anything? Maybe in their house, but that'd be about it. Most people don't have anywhere near that <laughs> amount of money in a bank. A couple thousand dollars, a few thousand, 10, 15, 000, maybe, 15000 maybe up to 50000 if they've done really well, but who keeps that much money in a bank anyway? Because it doesn't make any money. You put, if you have that much money, you want to put it in a place that's going to make some more money. Invest it.
3: But that's not what people have been taught they've been taught put your money in the bank right the, the bank will pay you interest on the money in the bank and mm-hmm. if you have extra then you know put it in the stock market by the same people who own the banks right um <laughs> and, and so that so they <laughs> or, can or buy, a money yeah, buy a yeah, house again
0: yeah yeah your owned, money's buy a not bank. there yeah
3: yeah the money you put in the bank is not there they That's take right. it and they mm-hmm. sell it, and they trade it, and they invest it in their own stuff so that they can make money and pay you mm-hmm. a pittance for what you put in there. So mm-hmm. um, it's slavery for people.
1: <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, banks are a oh, convenience. Yeah. That's okay. the only reason for them. You know, I mean, there's, there's plenty of things to do with your money, but uh, but just a bank is a convenience, and it's a business. People don't. I guess do people just like not think of banks as a business? And they're a business, like any other business.
3: Yes, they are and but it's it's a really really corrupt business but anyway um so here here we are it's just keeping people tied because what do we tell you know, what i grew up here and, oh if you want a house you have to go to the bank and get a loan because mm-hmm. they they program you to you will not have enough money to pay cash for a house you have to go work for well, somebody well, and uh, and the yeah, whole concept of debt, is debt, i, I
1: missed it earlier people, yeah, everybody's in debt. This is where, you know, you look at credit cards, you look at mortgages, you look at car payments. I, I don't know how the, the, what percentage it is, but I would say over 90% of this country is permanently in debt, and they, do not. they want to be that way.
3: Well, yeah, told they look to at be as, that way. As it like, like this re- revolving loan. I cannot tell you how many people have told me, well, you know, you're always going to have a car payment, so that's just a given.
1: No. I've never had a car payment. <laughs> I've never I don't had have a car, payment. A car payment. I've never had a car payment. It's, What's a car payment?
3: It's because I don't need the newest car every two years. You know, yeah. I'm not going to keep myself in debt like that. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, there, there's just ways around this. But anyway, let's. Mm-hmm. I, I want people to know: don't put your trust in money. It's going away, um, and and for as far as free access for quite a while. This this is just the beginning of the fall, people. This is not it. Okay, this is just the beginning of it. This is the beginning of the dismantling of the system. So, and I know a lot of people don't believe that. My own kids don't believe me when I tell them that. <laughs> they think they're fine. <laughs> oh, mom, you know, you're, you're just
1: you're just just being the, mom the world
3: story again. Yeah. yeah, you know, you're just being mom. So, do they you know, listen, no.
1: Do, do your own kids even <laughs> listen to their reports here? I mean, just out of curiosity. You may not want to reveal that, um, actually, but I'm just
3: curious. I, I, um, no, because, you know, one's in the Navy and, and, you know, he can't listen to all that when he's doing his work and all that kind of stuff. And and, and um, I don't know what he's doing half the time. I, I don't even know where he is and he's not allowed to tell me because of his clearance. So, um, but my girls, know, they're busy doing mom things and, you know, kid things and animal things. And,
0: we do podcasts. But
3: they don't. <laughs> they do but you know what they don't listen to this because they think you know oh yeah okay you know here we go more conspiracy mm-hmm. theories and mom's just being mom well you know that's okay because eventually they're when it finally affects them people don't mm-hmm. believe anything till it actually affects them right
1: yeah that's true
3: so <clears throat> smart people will actually look into things and pray into it and just kind of look around and um and then go and ask God what what is really going on because sometimes you don't believe what you see. All right. But believe Mm -hmm. this, you know, it is coming down. Don't believe them when they say, Oh, everything's fine and it's going to come back and and it'll be fixed and and we'll do this bailout. No, it's not going to get fixed. So just be ready. I'm telling people right Mm -hmm. now, and I've said this before on this show, get some silver, right? Mm -hmm. Get silver (laughs) and have that ready. Because you're going to need it. So, until everything gets fixed. So, just, just let is,
1: me know. What is God's monetary system? What, what, man, what was, uh, you know, because there's, there's nothing wrong. I, I think it says, I always thought a Shakespeare quote, but I guess it's in the Bible. Money isn't the problem, it's the love of money. That's what corrupts people. Right. So money, money exactly. is useful. Money is a medium of exchange. Without money, money is what actually creates freedom in many ways because if you have to barter, you have to have something somebody else wants, which means you have to make a bunch of things that you don't want <laughs> to trade for things that you do want. That's not a, an efficient system. Money to be a universal uh, medium of exchange is it's totally useful. And it actually, I believe that money is part of your freedom. It you towards it. That makes the big difference. So, so what is God's monetary system? What, what, was, what was the design Gold. supposed to be? Gold?
3: Gold and silver, our money used to be backed by gold.
1: Mm Yeah, how about that? Our
3: money was as, the the old saying, good as gold, Mm -hmm. because our money was backed by gold. And so that is God's system. That will have to be Mm -hmm. re-implemented to make anything work the way God Mm -hmm. wants it to. Um, Because your money has to mean something. It's, It's like giving your word on something. Um, yeah. so, and that's important to God, you know, having integrity and being able to trust what somebody says is very important to God. Um, and so his monetary system is gold and silver. Um, and that does not mean that we will only have gold and silver in our hands. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying it will, our money, whatever form it takes is going to be backed by gold and silver.
1: Well, that makes sense. Cause you, you still have mediums of exchange. You know, but uh, if you, if as long as it's backed by gold, so then that to me is real value. Uh, I remember hearing uh, something that was a old sixty minutes report that uh, back in the old days, if you had a gold coin, you know, you could buy a decent toga, you know, decent belt, decent pair of uh, sandals, (laughs) and uh, and you'd be okay, you know, with your with your gold coin. Nowadays, you have a gold coin, decent suit, decent pair of shoes, decent belt, and pretty much the same thing. So the value of gold has been amazingly consistent for thousands and thousands of years. That's kind of it's yes. really interesting. Yeah.
3: Yes, and you know, and even in, in the streets in heaven are paved with it. You know, it's made out of gold, but it's so pure you can see through it. <clears throat> we don't, we oh, don't I can say where that came that from, but uh, I'll,
1: I'll say that for the end. That's that's an interesting story of the streets paved, paved with gold. But that, I've told that in the air before. But anyway, mm-hmm. go ahead. So God's monetary system: gold okay. and silver. Right.
3: Yeah, M- make sure you have some people. It's just it's, hmm. it's important. I'm not going to tell you where to go get it. You know do your research because a lot of them are fly by night and I hmm. and I will tell you what I think is wise um, Do not go with the companies that give you a certificate saying that you have this much silver if <laughs> you don't have it in your hand you don't have it. Yep So I'm just saying
0: no, so um, makes perfect sense th-
3: just 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 trying to get, get some wisdom and out there and, and do not trust in money. Trust in God who has got everything in hand. So it's going to look um, pretty shaky. It's going to actually be very shaky. And some people are going to, um, if you're trusting in money, you're you're going to have a hard time. You will not have any peace. You will not have um, anything to, to function with. Um, so just put your trust in God. It is never too
1: late to do that. Yeah. What are the profits saying about this? Uh, the folks that were reporting two years ago um, that if the monetary system is collapsing, then what's you know, the, the thought is, you know, Bitcoin and, and cryptocurrency and, and then what's this new banking, um, whatever it is, you know, politician controlled money, that's obviously not the plan. So, so where, where do they say this is going? What's, what's, what's future money going to look like or a future monetary system?
3: Um. Well, it's just it's going to have to go to the gold and silver backed monetary system. They they don't you know, God doesn't tell anybody everything because He says every joint supplies in the body as you know some people you know, it, it he gives the analogy of, of a body. There's a head, there's the feet, there's a the hands, there's a the knees, there's a you know the neck, the you know, whatever, you know. Don't don't say you're not important because you are um a, a toe, you know, instead of, you know, the an eye or whatever. You know, everybody has um a part to play in a body. Um and everything is necessary. Every part of your body is necessary to function. Mm-hmm. It has a purpose. So um, he's saying that everybody um, will be able to um, function well in the body of Christ if you do things the way God wants you to because he he created it. So um, I'm sorry. I've got to go take care of something.
1: Oh, Uh, should we take a break for a minute? uh,
3: uh, Can I do that Then I'll be right back.
1: Sure. Just mute yourself on your phone and jump back in when you feel like it. We'll be here. Or I'll
3: be right back. Be okay.
1: Right back. We'll, be, we'll be right here. Pianchi, let's talk money. We we might as well continue on our theme here, and then I'll get on to uh, censorship. I'm going to get back to uh, Mark Schellenberger's testimony uh, before Congress. Everybody seems to have forgotten that there is a censorship industrial complex that conveniently was blocked out of the censorship industrial complex, which is kind of interesting. God and money, or just money in general. What's... Uh, what are your feelings yeah. on all this? Well,
2: you have to have a medium for exchange,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and the entire planet of Earth don't have enough physical gold to meet the balance books of countries. So, that's well, in terms
1: of of money, law, you know, what is what is money? What is the monetary system? What you know, if uh, it's basically functioning on debt? You know, so I guess those who have it are loaning it to those that don't. You've got China loaning money, you know, fund. You know, a lot of countries are are borrowing uh, with the assumption that they're never going to have to pay it back. Otherwise, they wouldn't borrow uh, more than they can pay back. So there's there's got to be, you know, and this works for individuals too. Most people are in debt, a lot. <laughs> you know, well, the, most the people are in debt, debt
2: because they allow credit. Mm-hmm. Credit allows people to be able to have at the moment. Mm-hmm. but they have to pay for it in the far future. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you have to pay interest. on so when people put money in the bank and the bank's going to pay you interest, well, the bank has to earn off of your deposits mm-hmm. because it has to keep its doors open, has to pay light and telephone costs, pay for its clerks and tellers. So it's a friendly method of going about providing you for what you let them use in order so that they can be, stay and become more viable.
1: Yeah. Well, the biggest thing, like I say with banks is convenience. You know, you can set up, especially these days with computer technology, you can set up automatic payments. You know, so much comes in, so much goes out. You know, you can sort of put a lot of your finances on automatic pilot and do other things. Whereas in the old days you had to physically, you know, pay checks by mail. That took time. You, then you, or you had to physically uh, do things online and pay bills that way. That took time. Now you can set up and you usually get a discount for doing it. So we're we're paperless. We're saving the environment. You know, we're we're, um, you know, people. Most people have some kind of automatic payment. So things are pretty much done. So you just kind of monitor your accounts. Check check your bank account once a day, once a week, however often you do it. Um, and uh, just, you know, your pays go in, your money goes out, and hopefully there's a little bit left over to, to increase savings and investment. That's the way it's supposed to work. You know, and that, that makes sense. But where people get into trouble is when they, they invest huge amounts of money uh, in a bank and then uh, expect it to be covered if there's something, if there's a problem with the bank. Why would you, in, you know, I mean, it's still your money that you put in that bank. So you're still responsible for it, even though you, people think the bank is responsible. But you're responsible. You're responsible for your, the money in your account. The more you leave in there, the more responsibility you have because technically it's you, well in actuality it's your money so why should why should we even have insured accounts? A bank is a private business we talk well, about an insured account.
2: account because you you trust an entity with your money a right. bank has to take in so many deposits
0: mm-hmm.
2: and then they should be able to provide the cash for those a percentage of those deposits. <clears throat> because the banks had to take those deposits and lend them out in order to keep the doors open, and well, they see where they started. Having... Well, you
1: know, uh-huh. it's like stocks have. Well, stocks have a margin call. In other words, uh, if you borrow money to buy stocks, they can call that to, money.
2: You don't have to trade on margin. That's a bad thing unless you know what you're
1: doing. <laughs> Well, it's stupid. It, 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 I mean, commodity broking is like one step above gambling, but only just, <laughs> you, know, that's, or, you know, that's, that's a whole different thing. But I'm just talking about, um, you know, what if, why don't banks, why can't they have a uh, call in their loan and say, look, we need more money to pay our depositors. We're gonna have to, you know, increase your loan payment <laughs> or something like that. Or is that all contracted so they can't do that? I finance. your person.
2: loan may not be, your loan may not be in what's called tangible. If your loan is in a house, well you gotta put the house up on the market and sell it and hope somebody can come by and buy. It. But also mm-hmm. when banks get into the problem where they start running out of cash mm-hmm. then they can borrow from
1: another bank. But they'll have to pay interest on that. Which what? still costs money. But the the point I'm thinking is, is bailing out a bank. If a bank goes bad, then the bank goes bad. You know, during the savings and loan there were banks that bought other banks. You know, I had a bank uh, I think I went through four different banks in California. I'm on my third bank here. I don't switch banks; the banks <laughs> switch themselves, you know. So, uh, so my my local bank is now a bigger regional bank, you know. So it's I've been here six so the bank, years; it's changed in time.
2: Banks the banks other banks is very minimal at this right. because, of, well, because so. for a purpose. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. but if a bank is in trouble, shouldn't you know? Wouldn't they be more? Uh, um, have to be taken over by another bank and would that bank then be responsible for the accounts one would think
2: well bank don't know this in trouble until it gets in trouble like when Joe Biden counseled the uh, pipeline where all the right. workers are now in trouble
1: yeah, yeah that's so, true. Well, I it don't know about wait that oh she's back
3: <laughs> well because the Silicon Valley Bank knew it was in trouble way before it actually closed down because uh, the the people who ran that bank were taking their money out at least two weeks beforehand. And how they have that? regulators. All banks have regulators um, that they have to report all the the earnings to a, every quarter and all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. they would have seen the trend long before it was ever announced. Yeah, so how uh, the regulators uh, aren't being uh, held uh, accountable?
1: That's a good question. Because... Ultimately, they can take money from from we taxpayers and bail up their rich friends. This is what it ultimately comes to their friends and donors. You know, and this is why I say that the banks not be... pay the Fed. Yeah,
3: all banks will pay money into the Fed. And again, the Fed is not federal by any stretch of the imagination. It is individuals. You have the Rockefellers and all that, all that people, mm-hmm. the Vanderbilts, and and they all control that that is their thing that they, they control the world system through money um and all banks funnel money to the fed and that's why they're going to bail out
1: Well that makes sense but i they're would just, abolish the fed just obviously protecting their
3: own investments
1: so, it's so their income streams banks need
2: banks need big deposits if they didn't have big deposits they wouldn't work the biggest deposit for banks and business and <clears throat> then municipalities then deposits from individual people people Banks can't just survive on people coming in on Friday, cashing their checks. That ain't gonna work.
1: Well, there are commercial banks for that purpose. I mean, or banks that have commercial accounts, and that's that's fine too. They can mix them up. My objection is not how they bank or how they run their banks. My objection is taxpayers bailing out these banks that we do not need a Fed. Yes. That if we had a gold, uh, you know, as we talked about gold and silver, if people are responsible for their own accounts, uh, I don't see any reason to insure bank accounts. This is a free market. You know, if no, you want to put your money in a bank, that's but, fine. But, uh, but you're risking but FDIC that
2: one. is an insurance that banks pay premiums toward. It's not free. They pay premiums toward. So, so, all right, so that's
1: okay then. You but,
2: your life insurance policy is going to pay you Whatever mm-hmm. the face value of it is, and you accumulate that face value about paying premiums. Right. Okay. So, and, if and it's, do we if remember it, the, the, the banks paying into when it when
3: the FDIC did not have enough money to do that?
2: Yeah, what was that? Well, then, if they, they don't have enough money to do it, and <laughs> banks have paid for that insurance, just like your car insurance, your car insurance is 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 whatever the state requires fifty thousand dollars. So you go out and hit somebody's car and it's $52,000, well, they supposed to be able to pay $50,000 and you're you good, put it up at 2000 So that's what are supposed, supposed
3: to. to But in the 70s, that was not the case. I don't remember which bank it was, but it, it took a major dive and people were saying, well, I have this FDIC, you know, the insurance. And, and they said, "Um, well, not exactly.
2: Well, they don't pay it's the FCI as, as, <laughs> as long as the United States is in yeah, as long as the United States exists. See, a lot of things is based on the good faith of the United States itself. That's, That's right. why I come when I hear people say they want America to fall and stuff, they crazy. You don't
1: want the United mm-hmm.
2: States to become second federal in the in the world. <laughs>
1: You're well, right. we've got thirty trillion dollars in debt. I mean, how solvent is the United States? You know, we've been bankrupt for a long time. We're not. This is this is why I put a, a bill forward that uh, obviously is attracting no attention in the in the national news, despite the fact I've told enough people in Congress and there have done enough press releases on this. A constitutional amendment to take away the power of Congress to borrow money. That seems to me the most responsible most thing at this time. So that they can't borrow money and bail out their friends. They can't borrow money and keep increasing the debt. They can't borrow money for their elections and, and paying off their, their, their favorite groups and things like that. They're addicted. They're absolutely addicted to spending money they don't have. And unless we take that away from the children in Congress, they're going to destroy this nation with debt.
2: And that's yeah. a good idea that you have there.
1: Thank you. Notice yeah. how much it's catching on. <laughs>
3: Well, and and here's the thing, I'm I'm going to go back to the question that you asked, and then I'm going to go ahead and and turn this back over to you for somebody's segment. Um, Okay. But you had asked, well, well, what are the prop? this prophesying the collapse for two years? Well, right now they're saying, I told you so. Um, (laughs) Well, that makes sense. Because it's starting to happen. Um, Mm -hmm. But they're also saying, don't panic, put your trust in the Lord, you know, Um, and get some silver. You know, if you mm-hmm. can get it, get it. You know, um, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> just be ready, and and let let your trust be in the Lord because He's going to take care of those who, who trust Him. And I just want to leave you with a scripture about that mm-hmm. because it's, it's kind of important. For it's, my word means nothing, right? Just get, but God, when He says something, you know, even E. F. Hutton listens. Okay, so <laughs> um, that's um, an
1: interesting story too. I'll tell you that one again sometime too.
3: Yeah. Okay.
1: So, you know, we have to go and make sure she gets this in. <clears throat> mm-hmm.
3: So in Psalm 115, um starting at verse 11 to 16, it says, you who reverently fear the Lord, trust in and lean on the Lord. He is their help and their shield. The Lord has been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron, the priesthood. He will bless those who reverently and worshiply fear the Lord, both small and great. May the Lord give you increase more and more, you and your children. May you be blessed of the Lord who made heaven and earth. The heavens are the Lord's heavens, but the earth he has given to the children of men. That means we have been responsible for taking care of the earth and how it's run, and look what we've done with it. So Mm -hmm. go ahead and put your trust in the Lord. (laughs) He's going to take care of you, um, including um, your finances and your provision. So be blessed today and keep looking
1: up. Sounds good. Pianchi?
2: Yeah, the one thing that you said is the fear in the Lord. People have to be feared of some repercussions if they do something morally wrong. So stealing money out of the bank is morally wrong, and they have to fear the repercussions that will come from the Lord for those that, you know, think that way.
3: And you're right. You know, it's always a good thing to have an awesome respect and reverence for the Lord because, you know, he kind of controls our next breath. So <laughs> I, I'm in on that thought. Yeah, bow now, avoid the rush.
1: <laughs> exactly. Anyway, want to get your contact stuff? And then uh, if you have to go, we'll pick it up next week.
3: Yeah, Um, if you all need to get a hold of me for any reason, ask questions, I'm always happy to answer. Um, And you can get a hold of me at Wendy Arthur on Facebook or Art by Wendy Arthur or Dimensions Ministries. And y'all have a great day.
1: You have a great day. Thank you. Always good to have you on. (laughs) Okay. We'll see you next week. Sounds good. I was just thinking when Wendy was talking that, uh, you know, people go to jail for robbing a bank for stealing money. And yet the government, you know, steals from the taxpayers to pay off other people. Uh, and, and of course nothing happens to them, <laughs> you know, even though they have horrible policies or the banks that have horrible policies, you know, is it not in, in a way it's stealing money. If you're, if you're taking taxpayer money that's not supposed to go to banks it's, that's, or, or money beyond their insurance, you know what's the difference between robbing a bank and robbing people to pay a bank? I mean, it's the same kind of thing Jackie oh, he's muted too
2: well, I don't I, see where it, I don't see where they're robbing people. That's a whole lot of difference robbing the bank,
0: yeah,
2: yeah you know okay. the government robs people by one can say by increasing taxes. But why are you increasing taxes? Well, you went out and done something that requires money to be paid for, and now you want to go back and forcefully make people be included in the paying for it. Now, that there is deceitful. Yeah. And that's what you yeah. see all the time. These programs, yeah, I mean, these social programs got to be paid for somewhere way or another, and they uh-huh. usually go to the people and make them pay forcibly by raising taxes is what Joe Biden is talking about doing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's definitely a corrupt system uh, of rewarding, you know, paying for election stuff, rewarding friends. We just need to take a lot of the money out of politics. And, again, the, the best way to do that, I think, is just to take away their ability to borrow money because they're enslaving us with their debt. Thirty trillion dollars, you know, plus people's own debt. You know, debt's not the way to go. You have to have savings. You have to be on the positive side. You can't be on the negative side, especially as a nation. All right. So eight oh eight. Now let's take a little break. Play a couple things for for everybody, and then we're gonna come back and talk about censorship. uh, Again, I want to go back to that testimony of Mark Schellenberger, which is absolutely fascinating. And again, what's, what's so amazing about this story was last week it was big for a couple of days, and now it's gone. And people forget that we have a censorship industrial complex that I think in many ways is, is more dangerous than this banking thing. We've been through banking stuff before. We'll see what happens. But uh, chances are – but this, this whole idea that we are – that uh, the, 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 um, the government and the corporations have united uh, in this uh, information monopoly – is is far more scary because they can tell you anything they want about the banking situation for example um uh, and uh your source of information might be totally corrupt anyway uh, also apparently we've got a an election in the netherlands we got cyanide s-c-i-e-n-i-d-e 77 checking in on live chat saying he's voting today so i'm curious to to know what's going on with the, the elections there and who are the candidates and uh maybe this is a good like website we can uh, take a look at at some point, but I'd be curious what the candidates are saying, especially in terms of nitrogen and farmers and free markets and things like that. So let me play a couple of things and let's see where we're going to start from today. Oh, you know, I, I usually pick one end, but the other end of my, of my commercials um, to get started, but uh, let's get going and I'll be back in, uh, in just a little bit. Greg Pengliss here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try, even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. This is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic, and is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m. Florida Stars Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stars Automotive. I go there. You should too. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? dangerously cool. See all the fun we have here? <laughs> so I got the testimony back up on my screen of, oh, arrange the chair. There we go. Uh, of a Mark Schellenberger, who appeared before Congress last week. And it just, this stuff just keeps disappearing from the news. And yet, I think this is probably uh, the most critical story right now, is the fact that our information, you think it's bad that they're stealing our money? They're stealing our information, which really steals everything. And so I've got some, uh, some more notes here from uh, his testimony, his statement, a uh, big statement before Congress. So I'm just going to go bit by bit, do some more tomorrow, probably some more Friday. Uh, and away we go. Lots of guests, lots of things happening. We um, just got a note from Diane Warner, who does the Election Integrity Report, 9 o'clock from now. She's going to join us with uh, one uh, of two guests. And then we have two guests she's going to be bringing on um, between 830 and 10 uh, o'clock. So, so the, the, uh, the second half of the show. It's pretty much going to be election integrity. We'll talk about that in a little bit. i got Pianchi on the line, but I want to get started back on this. And so this is testimony of Mark Schellenberger, who is a fairly liberal journalist, along with uh, Matt Salibi, uh, who is another fairly liberal journalist who has spoken out against censorship complex. And so getting into Mark uh, Mark's testimony, this is about page, let me see, page five, I think. Yes, yeah, page six. He says, the censorship industrial complex combines established methods of psychological manipulation, some developed by the U.S. military during the global war on terror, with highly sophisticated tools from computer science, including artificial intelligence. The complex's leaders are driven by the fear that the Internet and social media platforms empower populist, alternative, and fringe personalities and views. <laughs> which they regard as destabilizing. No, we're actually trying to bring freedom. Uh, he says, federal government officials, agencies, and contractors have gone from fighting ISIS recruiters and Russian bots to censoring and de-platform, deplatforming ordinary Americans and disfavored public figures. Well, that would be Trump. Uh, what's fascinating is what Brandon Stracka said yesterday, From uh, Brandon from Hashtag Walkaway, uh, was talking about these people having irrational fear at the left. They fear things that there's no to fear. They fear climate change. They fear, you know, the, the, the freedom. <laughs> they fear independence. They fear anything they can't control. And their irrational fears are causing them to reach incredibly bad decisions that affect all of us. And one of those would be the manipulation and control of information. Back to uh, Schellenberger's testimony. He says, importantly, the bar for bringing in military-grade government monitoring and speech-countering techniques has moved from countering terrorism to countering extremism to countering simple misinformation. The government no longer needs a predicate of calling you a terrorist or extremist to deploy to counter your political activity. The only predicate it needs is simply the assertion that the opinion you express on social media is wrong. Yeah. and that's where Section 230 comes in, where it says that social uh, media, big tech, can remove anything. Excuse me, anything from social media they find quote otherwise objectionable, well, otherwise to be lewd, lascivious, graphically violent, or uh, or anything else like that. Um, but uh, when you give big tech the power to remove anything that they find objectionable, well, they do? And what they find objectionable is anything they disagree with. Well, that that's not how this works. You know, it's basically segregation. It's conservative segregation, patriot segregation, uh, independent segregation, it's segregation against anything that they any thought they don't want. Well, segregation's illegal, and <laughs> this is why we have to stop it. Back to the uh, testimony. He says, these efforts extend to influencing and even directing conventional news media organizations. Since 1971, when The Washington Post and The New York Times allowed to publish classified Pentagon papers about the war in Vietnam, journalists understood that we have a professional obligation to report on leaked whose contents are in the public interest, even when they have been stolen. Kind of interesting. And yet in 2020, the Aspen Institute and Stanford's Cyber Policy Center urged journalists to quote break the Pentagon Papers principle and not cover leaked information to prevent the spread of disinformation. Well, disinformation I would define as anything that somebody doesn't want you to know. You know, so don't get disinformation. In other words, don't get information. Get the information we tell you. Well, it's not information at that point, it's propaganda. So if it's not propaganda, someone else is disinformation. When we we explain the difference of what real disinformation is, a spy term. It's giving another country in in time of war information that can cause you to get a victory over them. That's real disinformation. What they're talking about with us is simply a matter of opinion. Testimony says, government-funded censors frequently invoke the prevention of real-world harm to justify the demand for censorship. But the censors define harm far more expansively than court does. The censors have defined harm so broadly, in fact, that they have justified Facebook accurate information about COVID vaccines, for example, to prevent quote vaccine hesitancy. This is when I got censored back when COVID started, right? And I said that the vaccine wasn't necessary. We had cures, we had treatments. It was all big hoax. Not the not the virus itself, but the government response to it is a total hoax. The vaccine was always a total hoax. And look what's happened: people are dying crazy far more from the vaccine, which is not a vaccine, than they ever died from COVID. That's the scary part. That's the part you're not hear. that's being censored. Because it's being called disinformation, even though it's true. And the numbers reflect it. I post a, a Facebook story. Uh, Tucker Carlson had a guest, Ed Dowd, who's fascinating. Check our special investigations page. or If you're a member of the vaccine page, you can check it there, too. Back to the testimony of Schellberger. Their goal clearly is not protecting the truth, but rather persuading the public. That is the purpose of open debate and free exchange of ideas. Persuasion by covert means is censorship. They said yesterday, and pretty much every other day on the show, the cure for COVID was always the same: freedom, freedom of information, freedom of ideas, freedom of doctors to tell what works, you know, freedom of, of uh, people to question the, the government policies. Freedom would have saved us from a million deaths with COVID. He says increasingly the censors say their goal is to restrict information that delegitimizes government, industrial, and news media organizations. That man is so sweeping that it could easily censor criticism of any part of the status quo from elected officials to institutions to laws. Those are things we criticize every day, by the way. (laughs) He says, this extreme attitude is bluntly un-American. Yeah, no kidding. Congress should immediately cut off funding to the censors and investigate their activities. Second, it should mandate instant reporting of all conversations with social media executives, government employees, and contractors concerning content moderation. Yes, it should. Third, Congress should limit the broad permission given to social media platforms to censor, de- de- platform and spread propaganda. Well, that would be Section 230, which says that uh, big tech is immune from anything on social media or use of search engines, but they still have the ability to censor anything they want from anything post anybody's account, and they can arrange the, uh, the, the, the websites on search engines to their own benefit. In other words, putting the leftist sites first. That's un-American. And yet Congress gave them the power to do it. Congress even, even gave them an exemption from the First Amendment. You read Section 30, 230. 230. Slow down, Greg. Read Section 230. It says that uh, they can remove anything they find objectionable and notwithstanding the First Amendment or basically notwithstanding any provision of the Constitution, which basically is the First Amendment. So Congress cannot – not only can Congress not delegate law enforcement powers to a private company, which is what they did, they certainly can't delegate the ability to be exempt from the First Amendment even though they're not. So they know they're not exempt from the First Amendment, so they tell Big Tech they are exempt from the First Amendment, and now it's okay? No, that's wrong. Our Big Tech will take care of that by maintaining their immunity from anything anybody does on social media or any use of search engines, but it would uh, take away that immunity, revoke that immunity from liability if they touch anything post, if they touch anybody's account, or if they touch any arrangement of, of search engine results beyond raw number of hits. That would cure the problem. So we have several things that would would cure the problems we have now. Vaccine product viability, ending big tech censorship, and a constitutional amendment to take away the power of Congress to borrow money. Those three would, would give us back unparalleled freedom and prosperity. Okay. Back to the testimony. It says Congress um, should immediately cut off funding to the censors and investigate their activity. I think I read that. Should, uh, here we go. Last paragraph of this section. Whatever Congress does, it is incumbent upon the American people to wake up to the threat of government censorship via behind-the-scenes pressure on media corporations. Only an alert and knowledgeable citizenry, Eisenhower noted, can help the proper meshing of the huge industrial and military machinery of defense with our peaceful methods so that security and liberty may prosper together. Well, that's, his, that's the beginning of his opening statement. He's got more, but that's the start of it. Um, Pianchi, uh, any, before I get into the censorship industrial complex today, the second section of his testimony, any questions, comments? We may only have a few minutes on this, but uh, I want to go going because this alone, this covers it better than anything I've ever read, this testimony before Congress. It's a congressional record, but how many people are going to read it or report it on the news? Other than me, probably nobody. Pianchi? Exactly. Yeah, and also how they're going to respond to it. Hmm. Well, we don't know how they're going to respond to it because Congress took the testimony and then disappeared. They haven't taken any action yet. I'm going to see if I can you get a motion Hmm. Maybe states
2: mm-hmm. state should take action and say that uh, your uh, reporting, your publications, can't what well, would not be allowed in the states. Something of this
1: sort. Well, that's the two. No, the answer to, to propaganda is is better speech. So the answer to bad speech is good speech. But the problem is that we have bad speech and we have no counter to it because that's been banned as, as uh, misin- disinformation. So they don't say misinformation, they say disinformation. There's two very different terms. I'm going to look those both up. This might be a little, we only got about five minutes, so this might be an interesting experiment. So the definition of misinformation, let's see what that is. M-I-S information. Misinformation is false or inaccurate information, that is is deliberately intended to deceive. Nuclear matters are often entangled in a web of secrecy and misinformation. Yeah, in other words, we shall neither confirm nor deny the existence of nuclear weapons. Now, what it says for disinformation. Disinformation. This is in my online dictionary. False information, which is intended to mis... <laughs> That's the same definition. Especially propaganda issued by a government organization to a rival power media. The entire Western intelligence system has been systematically manipulated with clever disinformation. God does it as disinformation. If an individual does it as misinformation. <laughs> That's what it looks like. All right. Continuing on our theme here. Part two of Mark Schellenberger's testimony. I want to see if I can get a hold of him and of uh, um, Talibi. What's his name? Matt Talibi? Uh, they're both these journalists. They're, they're liberal journalists. I mean, Matt Taliby worked for Rolling Stone magazine for years. So I want to get them and in, 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 in get them Mar- uh, and see if they want to uh, write it. Who knows, right? The Central Industrial uh, Censorship Index today, definition and mission. This is part of Congressional Testimony, Mark Schellenberger, uh, last week before Congress. The censorship industrial complex is a network of ideologically aligned governmental NGO, that's non-government organizations, and academic institutions that would be universities that discovered over the last few years the power of censorship to protect their own interests, the volatility and risks of the democratic process. In other words, freedom. They are not. The, I said that part. <laughs> they are back to the article testimony. Uh, they are not defending democracy as they claim. Rather, they are defending their own policy and pecuniary interests against. Democracy. I guess pecuniary means, means financial. <laughs> Let's start here. National Science Foundation funding. Since January 2021, National Science Foundation, the NSF, has made at least 64 government grants totaling 31.8 million dollars. Science of countering social media mis/slash disinformation. See, they're confused on the definition too. That's fascinating. Government grants totaling seven million dollars. 42 colleges and universities received 64 grants. NSF created a new research track, Track F. <laughs> want to just call it Track FU. Wouldn't <laughs> made more sense, right? Track F for disinformation and censorship research called the Trust and Authenticity in Communication Systems. Hmm. NSF justifies the program as a way to defend civilization. Well, that's lofty. <laughs> Modern life is increasingly dependent on access to communication systems that offer trustworthy and accurate information writes NSF in his 2022 research overview. Yet these systems face a common threat. Communication systems can be manipulated or can have unanticipated negative effects. In other words, people find the truth, right? Introducing misinformation into communication, in other words, a difference of opinion, uh, communication flows can disrupt the performance of a wide range of activities and the functioning of civil society.
2: That's how bad it
1: is. If you do something that they disagree with, then society is going to collapse around us. Oh, no. Oh, doom. Oh, gloom. Oh, how horrible this is. I got to end the line, but I want to hold it for just a couple minutes. I want to finish this one section on the NSF. Um, So, Diane, this is from Mark Schellenberger's testimony before Congress. Fascinating stuff here. He says, NSF, National Science Foundation, repeats the central claim of the censorship industrial complex that the Internet requires censorship. Although false claims and other inauthentic behaviors have existed throughout history, writes NSF, the problems that they cause have reached critical proportions resulting from the massive scale of targeting and personalization. In other words, people's own ideas, right? The rapid speed of information exchange. Yeah, it's light speed. And the ability to automate information, disinformation, social media. Here is a sample of the censorship disinformation initiatives NSF 2022 is funding. Are you ready for these, guys? University of Michigan, WISEDEX, harnesses the wisdom of crowds and AI techniques to help flag more posts. Okay. Hacks and hackers, oh, that'd be us, right? <laughs> this is what they're flagging? Hacks and hackers toolkit for building trust around controversial topics such as vaccine efficacy. Well, it's controversial because the damn things don't work. They're deadly. We know that. Did I just say misinformation? Oh, I'm sorry. You know, does somebody disagree? Next one. Ohio State University CoCast helps decision makers manage their information environment. Hmm. Meeden, M-E-E-D-A-N. I have no idea who they are. CoInsights quote, enables community fact-checking. I call that fact-chucking, by the way. Those are fact-chuckers this is my new term for them, not fact-checkers, fact-chuckers, and academic organizations to collaborate and respond effectively to emerging misinformation narratives that stoke social conflict and distrust. That would be us at Action Radio, distrust of the government industrial censorship complex. Yes, guilty and happy to do it. Temple Universities, uh, Communities, that's C-O-M-M-U-N-I, capital T-I-E-S. That's interesting. Using an AI network science tool, Communities provides actionable insights for local newsrooms to help them build digital lines of communication with the communities, preventing the spread of misinformation and disinformation. In other words, they're programming the news. That's why the talking heads, you know those videos where you have like 50 talking heads of local news and they all say the same thing at the same time with the same inflection? Yeah. Temple University. And last one here, University of Wisconsin, course correct, is that dynamic misinformation identification dashboard to empower journalists to identify misinformation networks and correct misinformation. Why would, you, uh, why would you tell journalists how to do their job unless you're telling them exactly what to say and what to think? Oh, then we got DARPA. Well, I'm going to hold up here. DARPA is going to be for tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> this is fascinating stuff. I'm going to bring uh, Diane Warner in the conversation here. And uh, and uh, Diane, I'm working on – I'll get a theme for you. Really, Well, I promise. It, it just takes me a few weeks of, uh, you know, when do I have my next spare minute um, to do it. So did you – have you been uh, following uh, like our Monday show and my last little dissertation on disinformation from Mark Schellenberger's testimony? And what do you think?
4: No, <laughs> I okay. haven't. But you know okay, how fine. I feel about misinformation.
1: <laughs> well, I think we're proud of it, actually. Yeah.
4: Absolutely, well,
1: what they call disinformation yeah, we we call truth, what they call misinformation yeah. we call uh you know uh <laughs> uh exposure <laughs> you know uh insight exactly all those kind of things, yeah, and okay. now it's
4: taken about ten minutes it takes in about ten minutes to prove it too
1: so. yeah yeah oh yeah they, this is fascinating testimony, just so months before. anybody wants to go to it, mark Schellenberger. Uh, I just go to Congress last week. The weaponization of government uh, hearings, and that's where I got this from. So I'm gonna see if I can contact him. You want to talk to Mark Schellenberger? We have all these fun people to talk to. We had we had we had uh, Brandon Straka yesterday. Pronounced Strach, I found out. Was that cool?
4: I have not been had a chance to listen to it. It's been so crazy. I okay. have what it on my doing? list to do though.
1: Oh, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, well, no, that's okay. Take your time. Yeah. We're podcast. Yeah.
4: We're we're organizing a huge group uh, to come to Wahoo. So uh, we're gonna be Medical Freedom. Ah, wahoo. And that's gonna be on the fifteenth of April. What Yes, yeah, please. <laughs> wahoo <That's>
1: My Falsetto. <laughs> Before my voice we're gonna
4: have Yeah, April fourteenth, yeah. uh six six PM to nine PM at Wahoo and then we're gonna have it out uh another event that the Wahoo event is free. The second day event, uh Saturday, the fifteenth, is gonna be all day. And a lot most of the speakers I believe so far that are going to be coming out to goal free, and we're going to do an all day event of learning all kinds of interesting things we We really want to help the the people who've been hurt with the vaccine, and that's my main goal for part of this and so the other part is to help teach, teach people that about our election process and how we can correct it so we so
1: actually combine right again. The, the, there's two Absolutely. parts to this. There's election integrity Absolutely. and medical freedom. They actually go hand in hand because the stolen election yes. is what resulted in 100%. the taking away of our medical freedom, right?
4: Absolutely. And that's what we're trying to meld it together, marry them together so everybody understands it's the same people. The same people that are, that are causing the problems with the vaccines are causing the problems with our election. It all boils back to the same group of people.
1: And, yeah, freedom uh, works, and uh, okay. Marxist, communism, dictatorships kill people by the millions. Same story. Yes. Yeah.
0: Absolutely.
4: So, okay. Yeah, and All right. today like... we have a Go guest. Well, we, we've got a very special guest today. He's a friend of mine, uh, Chris Jersky, and uh, is he on the line?
1: He is. I'm just waiting for okay. a convenient time to bring him on. <laughs> okay. Let's bring him awesome. on now. Hey, hey, do you want to do the guest thing? you want to introduce him uh, with, my, with my guest track? You want to improvise? I Sure. Okay, wait a minute. So, so I'll, I'll announce his name. I'll get the drum roll. I'll announce his name. And then when the music starts, you can tell all about him. How's that? Ready? Here we go. And now and our guest it. of the day, Chris <laughs> Jersky. Take it away, Diane.
4: Welcome, Chris. We're so glad you're here. Uh, Chris has been uh, sure. has, has become a very good friend of mine. Um, We've been speaking for a really long time, months now, over election integrity. Chris has done some really fabulous things in his county, and he's a a data guy, and he has has opened our eyes to a lot of problems with our election integrity. Welcome to the show, Chris.
0: How are
5: you doing today?
1: (laughs) I'm just pushing buttons. I'm having fun here. Don't mind me. (laughs) Hi, Chris. Going uh, I love on it when
4: I when I meet people that who have the fire for this fight. And Chris, I promise, has the fire for this fight. And it, we okay. got on the phone the other day. And whenever you meet somebody who's really involved in election integrity, you all of a sudden you realize you've been on the phone for an hour and you're still talking. So uh, we're really happy that you're on the show today, Chris. Do you want to tell us a little bit about how you got into all of this?
5: yeah I, I usually start out with explaining kind of what animates me and, and, and basically makes me jump out of the bed each morning. Uh, I was born uh, first generation American to polish or two Polish uh, immigrants, both legal. Uh, I was raised uh, basically with my whole Polish family, and I had the uh, the great opportunity of going to Poland when I was 14 years old in 1987 and I got a chance to see what it was like. For Poland to be under communism, and I can't say how much that shook me to my core. Uh, it was kind of like a perfect moment to go there when I was just a teenager. You know how much teenagers like to believe that they're God's God's gift and and everything's all me. When I came back from that uh, from that trip, uh, I was a patriot. I kissed the ground when I came back. Um, there was no running water in Poland at the time in some in most parts. Uh, the boot of communism was on everything. I remember listening to my grandmother on, over the phone, and you would hear a click because even they were they were worried about a seven year old talking to their grandmother and across the uh, across the phone lines. And then the opportunity happened when I came back. I joined the military when I turned 18, and I saw the wall collapse in Poland, and we were all celebrating in our family. And at the same time, I met my wife from Venezuela, like God would have it that I would meet a Venezuelan and then watch her country get dismantled over a 10 year period, all because of an election. So if there wasn't anything that like God prepared me for, I feel like is this moment. Um, That's that's essentially what animated me. Like the day after the election, I woke up on fire, realizing what was coming for us because of what I just saw
1: in Venezuela. Which election? Which are talking 2020.
5: The the election for – yeah, our election, 2020, was what basically okay. st- st- set me on fire. Yeah. I well, just, uh, a jump lot in of here. people loved here didn't it? <laughs> yeah, it did. Uh, but basically the thing for me was is that I could actually kind of like I, – I used the story of uh, the Christmas Carol, like being visited by the, the ghost of the, the future – Seeing what was in Venezuela, I mean, I had to send money to my my mother-in-law on a monthly basis, still do, because it's so devastated there. And I was at a point where I was about to move to Venezuela because it was so beautiful when I visited. I visited in 2003, and I was just learning Spanish, and I was trying to learn Spanish by watching their news and their politics. And I would turn to my wife, and I'd be like, do you understand what this guy is saying? Because this is not going to end well. And it was one of the deciding factors of not moving there, because I, I, I mean, that time I was comparing basically Venezuela to San Diego, California, back at that same period, which was like just unbelievable. The weather was perfect. The economy was booming. I tell people that they're not a backwards country. This was this was a country that had its own Hollywood, uh, uh, a style of life that was amazing, like basically it wasn't It was, her her family specifically had. Pilots that flew G five private airplanes. Uh, it was almost like living in California with that kind of lifestyle. Well, they're part of oil. They're part of OPEC so quickly. And they're sorry. part
1: of OPEC. They had. They were part of OPEC. They had money. I mean, they were an exporting country.
5: Oh, it was it was unbelievable the the style yeah. of life you had in that country, and not to mention the weather. The weather was incredible, and the, and the tourist attractions and everything else. It just yeah. it just it's so sad and the other thing is is that the people were very educated this is the other thing that people think that it was like that that this was a backwards country or something we're talking about people that 90 percent of the people that were in that country were like what i would call upper middle class highly Mm -hmm. trained engineers doctors because they had a whole a whole uh systemized economy that revolved around just their country they had their own hollywood their own medical schools everything it wasn't like people like had to come to the united states and learn something and go back to venezuela they yeah. had their own self-supporting systems
1: but what they had that all these countries had like germany had and italy had they had denial they didn't believe it could happen there you know and no it's, it's that's exactly
5: right yeah i mean yeah. i remember talking to her family and trying to explain uh-huh. it because coming from that polish background to me it, i heard all the same rhetoric basically from the communists that, Oh, we got to help the poor people. And I'm like, you don't understand where this is going. They're using Mm -hmm. this and everybody's like, no, no, we have to help the poor. And next, you know, I mean, it's, it's literally the same playbook that's happening here. They opened Mm -hmm. up the border, they put everybody on welfare and collapsed the banking systems. And when the banking Mm. system, I mean, you can go to Venezuela today and there's money all over the streets like, you literally don't even pick it up. It's like the Weinar Republic in Germany. Like, if you read, up the, read the, the collapse before World War One or World War Two, there, same situation. Nobody even wants to touch the money. They weigh the money. They literally have to weigh the money. They don't even count it anymore because you have to bring so much wow. to buy just normal items.
0: Yeah, yeah. And my I want
5: cynical to mind pulling,
4: goes to the point uh, where – well, my I cynical mind mean. goes there where, what did the United States have to do with it? <laughs> probably a lot well i mean
5: it was it was crazy because when i visited in 2003 i was i'll never forget getting off the airplane and the first thing i saw was like this gang of like thugs or something standing there you know that walkway where you get off the airplane and you come into the airport like there's a big gang of thugs there that all had t-shirts on saying i hate bush because this was back in the time when bush was president and i'm like what is going on here i was like At that time, I was so naive. I was like, most people in the United States don't even know where Venezuela is. Why are they so (laughs) fascinated with what the United
0: States
5: (laughs) is doing to Venezuela? Like, it just didn't make any sense to me. And then as we're pulling out of the airport, there's a huge mural painted on the side of this building with this reaper, and it has CIA written on it. And then you see the, what is it, the Uncle Sam uh, top hat on the reaper, and it's like he's pointing into the ghettos of, uh, and like killing little kids in this mural. And I turned to my wife, I was like, are they, are they that obsessed with the United States here? Like what? I don't get it. And again, this is just me naive back then. The, the wall just collapsed in in Poland. I'm thinking the whole world is, is a big Kumbaya fest at this moment. And it was a wake up call for me because it was just like watching how, how they were basically, uh, they had the limelight on the CIA already basically messing with their country. They knew. They, they, they just – like we were – we didn't want to believe it when we were being told by them in some cases of what our country was doing to Venezuela. But they wouldn't listen to us about what their own countrymen were doing to them. That, it was like basically talking over one another.
1: Let me ask you a couple yeah. of questions on this, because this is fascinating, but uh, especially in Venezuela, how much was our CIA involved? Uh, I mean, the, the election of Hugo Chavez, which was stolen, obviously. Um, how much were we involved in that? How much money do you know, the details? Which administration I mean, was the Bush administration originally? It's really, originally hard, to, or, it George it's really w.
5: hard to tease it out, but you have okay. to think that it was something systemized because what what... At the end of the day, if you looked at it visually, it was something like narco-terrorism, narco-gangsters that were in control. Because essentially, when they shut down the airports to to travel, it didn't stop the drug trade. Like, literally, the drug airplanes started using the the airports. Hmm. And and essentially, the country turned into a gangster state where uh, basically drug dealers could do whatever they want with impunity and essentially everybody else was just living in fear. It's kind of like, if you watch what's happening with the border, you can see that that's essentially who's pushing this, but like who, who could actually like, do you think that the the drug dealers could implement an election system and bribe a bunch of of candidates? Like it it just, you have to think that they're they had some help by something. And then the other thing that was also happening at the same time, As much as the um, the 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 narco terrorists wanted to run their drugs, you have to understand how rich uh, uh, Venezuela was in natural resources, like the oil alone. They were like the third largest oil producer in the world, Mm -hmm. and they were only behind Saudi Arabia at moments. And if it wasn't for like if it wasn't because it was a state run operation you can imagine, like, the government was number three in the world. And they, if you had private industry, it could be probably easily number one. They had all kinds of nickel, cadium, rare earth metals that were, at the time, people were eyeballing because of all the stuff. This was all pre-electric cars and everything, too. So there mm-hmm. was a lot of people that were watching what was, what was on there as far as available for uh, natural resources. And the, and the country just got plundered. Okay, like literally, people came in. I remember when I was driving back to the airport, we were crossing a bridge, and I'm like looking at all these soldiers on the bridge, and I'm like, "Those are Chinese soldiers." Like, I, I'm in the military, I understand how the uniforms are being presented. I'm looking at their, looking at their arm badges and everything. I was like, "These are Chinese soldiers." What are Chinese soldiers standing on the bridge here? In a, in a, this was 2003. I'm like, mm-hmm. "Why are they guarding Venezuela?" like at this moment it didn't make any sense but wow. china came in and literally plundered all kinds of rare earth material mines oil and and left the people in utter poverty it just they stole it like pirates they came in so their the soldiers cordoned off areas and they yeah. just basically strip mined whatever they
1: wanted so let's explore that for oh, a bit, yeah. and then I want to talk about Poland for a bit before we get to uh, our own country here, because the patterns are there. The, when, when you know the patterns, yes. it's easy to predict what's going to happen. So, so the Chinese, so Hugo Chavez was the Venezuelan, as far as I know. Uh, our CIA yes. probably put him in. Uh, it wouldn't make, it wouldn't surprise me if. Uh, so this was back in the Bush administration, probably cooperating with the Chinese Communist Party, because that's what the globalists do. So, so ever since Bill Clinton, who was the like our, our first, well, I guess George Bush the elder was our first real globalist and then just went downhill from there so what connections do you know between our government our cia our intelligence agencies uh world government folks uh, and the Chinese Communist Party, as far as when Venezuela goes, how were, how did the Chinese get all the, 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 the rights and the minerals? Were they were they active in the overthrow? Did they help overthrow the government? Did they, uh, were they in the election fraud themselves? Or is the Communist Party in the business of that? Or did they just give all kinds of loans and guarantees and industrial things, which Venezuela defaulted on? And then they just moved in and took stuff. How does it, how does it all fit together?
5: The, the closest thing that I can relate to is because I grew up in, in the Philadelphia, New Jersey area is the mafia. Like okay. it was this entrenchment and corruption. It wasn't like you could see it overtly that it was happening. It was all happening behind the scenes. And again, it, like I wish, I wish I knew like I, it was so hidden that you didn't hmm. know who was doing it on the surface. If you were just if you were just looking across the, the 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 board you would think that it was the drug dealers that were doing it because mm-hmm. the drug dealers <laughs> became like the enforcers they they opened up the prisons kind of like what they're doing now where they're saying basically um uh defund the police and all this and there's like a revolving door that you see the prison or people getting caught or just slap slap your wrist but go ahead and try to defend your house like if you if you were caught Because the the thing was, in in Venezuela, there was guns. You were allowed to use guns up to about the time Chavez came in. But Chavez Mm -hmm. rewrote the Constitution and essentially made it illegal for you to protect yourself. So it was kind of a gray area that guns were illegal, but it was like people had them because they never gave them in. But go Mm -hmm. ahead and try to defend yourself. If someone broke into your house and you shot a robber or something like that or even pulled the gun and brandished the gun to scare people away... Next thing you know, you were being arrested, and the criminal went free. So it was that's, like a backwards, upside-down world, just like it is here. If yeah, you watch yeah. New York and Man. California, that's exactly the same playbook they're playing. I'm well,
4: looking Brandon at the just patents put in. Oh, I'm looking at the patents that Sydney Powell put in, the patents about worldwide applications in 2003 and 2004. These are the patents on how you run an election. So well, what we did, then, is we took them out. We installed the machine, and we've been running worldwide, uh, putting our electors in worldwide from our government.
1: Let me just—I uh, oh. want to get into the machines in just a second, but this is this is critical. But uh, the the patents, when when uh, when uh, Chris is talking about the guns, we just had Brandon just had this whole thing—all these gun restrictions that are patently illegal—that he just did by executive order. So all the things you're talking about are happening. Um, I want to go back to Poland just, just for a quick second and then and then, uh, day in. So I want to get on the machines in great detail. Um, but the whole idea, because I was in, in Berlin, in East Berlin in 1982, so I beat you by five years. And mm-hmm. I was a college student. I was a college graduate. I was 22. And I'm sitting here, and I, I crossed the Berlin Wall. Uh, and when is it East uh communist East Berlin for a full day? So what you experience in Poland, you know, I experienced in East Berlin, very similar kind of thing as yeah. like every myth, every idea of communism, every idea that uh, Kumbaya, let's hug, let's be equal. Let's yeah. share, you know, let's share the, the means of production. It's a bunch of nonsense. It's, it's the sh- biggest lie. Exactly. And and here's the thing people don't understand about communism. It, it's, uh, it, it's not that the constant threats and the, the terror that kill you, which they will. It's the boredom. There's nothing there. There's no industry. There's no. There's no advertising. I thank God for billboards. You know, I got back to where. Yeah, it's Carolina. just a, it's a boot mm-hmm. holding people down on the neck. That's yeah. it. Yeah. And, and the yeah, only thing that the survived only...
5: that I remember was a black market. Hmm. Because the weirdest thing was is that my father somehow was able to plan. This was during the communist. You, you couldn't buy gas. Like mm-hmm. you, it didn't matter how much money you had. If you went into a gas station and you threw out a bunch of money, you couldn't buy gas. You literally had coupons for everything. Mm -hmm. So you you had to buy the coupons. So what he did was when he was coming, he announced to his family. And it's like when you're in, in, unfortunately, everybody gets these coupons for gas, but some people didn't even have cars. So what they would do is they started stockpiling these coupons, knowing that my father was coming. And he essentially arranged to purchase those coupons from my family. And that was smart enough planned out that we had the ability then to take a, a, like he, he rented a guy that took us all around parts of Poland. So I was able to see Hmm. Warsaw, Krakow, uh, a couple of the, even, even the concentration camps. Like I said, it was, it was, it was at the time he was basically bragging about because he came from Poland when he was about 25 years old. So he was proud of his country, but like for me, when I saw it in contrast to the United States, I came back and kissed the
1: ground. How do you get out I of
0: bet.
1: Poland? <laughs> how, how do you get out of there? And I want to ask about solidarity, and then like say I want to get onto our machines and things like that. How did your family get out of Poland while it was communist?
5: Uh, it was my. It was a. It's a harrowing story about my great grandfather. My great grandfather on my mother's side survived World War II. Huh. Uh, he had two young children. They were like eight, ten years old, living through World War II his He wrote back to parts of his family that were still in the United States and the New Jersey area, and they thought he was dead they they didn't they lost contact with him completely. When the Germans attacked poland he they there was no communication. so they went on for like almost what about eight eight years, not knowing that he was alive even because they wow. went through, ransacked the entire country when he was finally able to get a letter back to his brother in the united states his brother's like get on get 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 to a uh, b- what's name a boat and i'll buy you a ticket to come to the united states he came he basically worked for a couple couple uh, months in a bakery and he literally had a bicycle that he tied an axe to drove mm-hmm. across the bridge in new jersey to clear land in new Jer- in new jersey and he Wouldn't worked an his act. way up to being able to buy land yeah but would buy bare hand like he he would wake up at four wow. o'clock in the morning drive across the palmera bridge to uh, a, a little bike. town called okay. Vincenttown in, in new jersey he cleared one acre sold that acre and with the proceeds went out bought some tools he worked his way up to the point where he could buy a, a truck and as he was doing this he was he was basically sending money back to his his family and was ultimately able to get, at that moment, his son was already married and started having children. He was able to then, that was my mom, and, and that was his, my mom's grandfather. They were able to scoop up my mother's family and bring them to the United States. And they were able to build a farm and, and build, a, build an entire building from the ground up. I, I was there at that moment. I, I was blessed to be able to meet him until I was about seven years old. Big impact on my life, because when I hear his story, he did this at 55 years old. Okay, so people um, tell me all the time that like, oh, my life is over because I lost everything when I was <laughs> when they're like forty or something. He was fifty-five years old, just survived the war, and he yeah. just was able to do all this from fifty-five years on, and he lived to about seventy-four, working the whole time. But, yeah, but the true. fact that he was he saved our my mother's family was basically the the reason I can can bless him for for giving me the life he did for me. So he's like our our family patriarch. And then my father, my mother went to Poland and basically met my father and brought him over when he, but he was, he was raised in, I call it Stalin's, Stalin's kindergarten. Like he, he went to school in communist Russia or communist Poland. Like it was completely taken over at that point. So the other thing was, is that when I was able to go back and look at what they did to my father through education I see Mm -hmm. the same thing playing out here. Like the first thing they did was they just turned the schools in indoctrination camps. It wasn't about teaching people. It was about it was about indoctrinating people to be
1: subservient. Yeah, that's the Prussian model. We've talked about that. Dan, I got one more question, and then I promise I'll just, uh, kind of sit back and listen for a bit. I Your service in the
0: military, okay, it.
1: good. Uh, okay, good. Your service in the military, I think, is key because, given this perspective of Poland and of Venezuela, uh, it makes perfect sense to go into the military and give back and serve. And what did you do there? Just curious, what you can tell us. Hopefully, it has some like big classified well, position, but we'll find out.
5: <laughs> no, no. My family was more uh, basically blue collar. Uh, my, my mother's side was full of mechanics. We did everything on mechanics. My grandfather did uh, large frame body construction, like auto body for tractor trailers. Okay. Huh. And uh, that grew into my uncle's basically doing uh, restoration on cars. And my other uncle did uh, high performance engines for race cars. And he was, a, mm. he was an, an incredible mechanic. So I I kind of basically grew up in that from the very beginning, but it was weird because we did just about everything. We did we did restoration of homes. Uh, again, my my grandfather built uh, built farmhouses from the ground up. I mean, he literally would carve. He would cut down a tree and carve uh, a beam, so he would basically build these houses from his own brand Brent, with his own hands. And in some cases, I remember when I was very young. He was literally pouring melting down nails and pouring nails and things like that, making his own nails. So it was it was really amazing to see that he had that ability to just do something from nothing. And it, wow. it was more of our family was in the restoration, uh, a lot of construction, fixing up old houses. So that's my background. When I went into the Air Force because I had that background, I mm-hmm. asked what are the what are the areas that I could like do the most with my skill sets and between the tests and what I was what I was interested in, they threw me into what's called ground uh, or, or aerospace ground equipment, which is everything around the airplanes. So I learned hydraulics, air conditioning, heating, uh, what is it, uh, electrical generation. Uh, I, basically, they called us MacGyvers. We, we, they could throw <laughs> us in any situation and we could basically fix whatever it was. I Because of my background and how good I got I was starting to get asked onto like special teams because I would like set up runways for people. So most of my, this is all, this is all during peacetime in the Clinton years. Mm-hmm. I was literally involved during Clinton's and, and if you remember those days, they were actually talking about dismantling the military and saying, we don't even need it any longer. Well, until Bosnia. So it was kind of a weird period. Yeah. yeah. So everything that I did back then was essentially um, around diesel mechanics and, and generators but the big thing that, that was nice was at the end, because of my skill set, they asked me to be on a team that responded to nuclear, biological, and chemical attacks. And that was probably the last year I was in the military. God knows how many, how many hours I had to sit in mop gear, they called it, basically biological suits and chemical suits. So I had a lot of extensive training on how to respond to biological and chemical comical warfare. The training like for COVID? nuclear was pretty short. <laughs> it was basically comes to <laughs> say a prayer. You got about thirty yeah. minutes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. sorry.
1: Say that again. I think we. I, I jumped in and interrupted there because I was thinking. Combat. Oh no! I said the nuclear training
5: warfare. was pretty simple. The uh-huh. nuclear training was: is if there's a nuclear bomb coming to New York, you got about thirty minutes, say a
1: prayer, and call your parents. Yeah, that, that's, that's what I heard. Was the we'll the watch the fail Watch the movie Fail said. Okay, so so given this background, MacGyver, let's, let's talk about election yeah. machines, and uh, and this, this, this is perfect. This is the perfect. So this is I like to establish background. So uh, um, my apologies for my over enthusiastic questioning, but uh, Diane, now we can get to the elections. I think we've got a perfect background here.
4: Awesome. Well, I think that this might be a real good segue into Red Belly Road if you want to tell us about
0: that. Oh yeah. Um,
5: I just a little bit more background on this. but After I was in the Air Force, I broke my leg, so I couldn't be a mechanic anymore. So I started getting back into computers. I was always interested since I was like probably uh, 13, 14 years old in computers back then, and I was a self-taught programmer. Um, the 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 thing we did in Florida was at, by the time I got to the election moment, I've already I have a business that basically I set up systems, entire systems for companies and basically systemize everything from their marketing all the way back to their accounting departments. So I mm. do databases in and out in a lot of web programming to to build all this stuff out. Data, we deal with data all the time, very complicated data with finances, transactions, all that stuff. So when they first when we first started watching what was happening in the elections, we had this weird revelation that came out looking through twenty twenty where in September of of 2020, two months before the election, like 100,000 addresses in the state just flip and they just get changed to an out-of-state address and then they get switched back to uh, uh, an in-state address for the election. It didn't make any sense to us. We didn't have anything to compare it to, so we didn't know what was happening. But it it stayed in the back of our mind that it's kind of weird that these addresses are flipping. So when we went into the primary season, uh, we wanted to get a hold of the mail-in ballot requests so we could monitor them. And as we're monitoring the mail-in ballots, really what drove us to that is while we were talking to some candidates, they were telling us about the buckets and buckets of undeliverable uh, postcards and mailings they were getting back. Now, so what year was for us, have- this was uh, the primary for 2020. Or, I'm sorry, 2022. 2020. Sorry, 2022.
4: 2022.
5: Okay. So in the primary of 2022, all these candidates are telling us uh, that their their mail is bouncing back at huge volumes, and we're like, hmm, I wonder if this if they're messing with the addresses or not. So we went in and started looking at the vote by mail addresses and just scanning and and this is a this is what we what I do in my business companies call me and they say, okay, I got a client list that needs to be cleaned. There's cli- there's clerical issues, there's duplicates. So, I mean, we do this all day long where we check with the post office and we standardize the addresses and we figure out which addresses are good and which addresses are bad. Well, what, while we were doing that on the, the, the primary vote by mail, this is somewhere around the June, July timeframe, right before the election, uh, a flag comes up that addresses are not being found by the post office and we were dumbfounded because we were like well what what would cause that i mean why would you not why would the post office not know that the address exists like it was a weird error and i didn't know what it was because at this moment you think that we've sent out a information card because everybody had redistricting so they had to send out an information card to everybody and they also sent out the sample ballot by this time so by this time, the post office would, would obviously have the address basically at least attempted. So we would see most likely that if it was either being delivered or not delivered. So this weird error was, was it was hundreds of them that we saw in a pile in this small little district. Uh, it was CD11 for Laura Loomer's race and we wanted to explore it deeper and i started looking into some of these errors and one address jumped out at me because i'm from claremont and i'm looking at it and i was like i don't recognize red belly road that's the most uh, ridiculous name i've ever heard of actually it just, just jumped out at me out of all the errors that we saw i'm like what is red belly road and uh, went into the voter voter database that we had on file And it started, it was strange because it was like 12 people that were on Red Belly, or I'm sorry, 37 people that were on Red Belly Road. So we started looking up Red Belly Road. It's not in Zillow. It's not in the property appraiser. This is Red Belly Road, Claremont, Florida. There was a Red Belly Road in Sorrento, but that was in a different part of the county. And it's not Red Belly Road, and it wasn't tied to that zip code. So it was very strange because we're looking at 37 voters that were that had all this fake address, and we were like, and "Well, Are these side of the
0: street.
5: Yeah, well, we didn't know at the moment. This is the this is how this is the discovery process. at the At the moment we found this, we thought that these were like injected phantom voters or something. So we were trying to figure out like what is this. So we started digging deeper, and that's when we started to compare older records. So we pulled up the 2020 election that we had on file and we dropped all those vo- voter IDs into the 2020 election. And lo and behold, all these people are on 12th Street Claremont. So when we looked at 12th Street Claremont, that address was real. That We, we found property records on these people. They're, they're, th- this was a legitimate address. You could see it in Zillow. 12th Street was the real street. And I mean, this, this all happens so quickly, because by the time I, I get to this part of the story, it's like literally the, the day of the election. So when we found this out, we did a small little video, and I shared it with my team, and the video leaked out onto the Internet. Somebody on our team that we just we, we've since parted ways leaked the video out to the Internet. It went viral. Next thing you know, I'm doing an interview with Roger Stone and I'm looking on the screen and here comes the video on screen. You can literally see my face go, No, like he cuts away from me and he's showing this video of Red Belly Road and I'm like, You gotta be kidding me. This was supposed to be vetted, like we're still we're still checking on this address. This is really strange because the 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 the, I, I just feel like there was God leading us down this direction. Because again, I wouldn't even have found this if it wasn't just this
1: address that jumped out at me. Um, well, it sounds like, a, like a communist it. plant name, you know, red belly is probably a, a, a nasty liberal yeah, name for, so for folks that hate communists. Yeah, that's anything when I get red it's just a... well first of all I want to uh, I'm gonna to talk to you off the air about connecting with Roger Stone because I definitely want to get him involved with what we're doing here at Action Radio, which I'll tell you in a little bit. But um I'd like to get the name of your company and your team and and what you how you relate you know, I guess, address investigation to how you got involved in election address investigation, because this is fascinating.
5: Oh, my, my company is Vital Catalyst LLC. It's a, okay. it, it, I've been in business probably since 2005 on my own, but I've been doing this probably since 1999 because I got started in government work where we had to clean up addresses for government contractors for state DOT offices. So that was really where I learned most
1: of this and I just why, would been doing it for so long. why do you have I'm to clean up addresses? why do you have to clean up addresses? Why do you have to clean up addresses? I'm curious Oh, you be that
5: surprised was. how many clerical issues there are, how many addresses are not standardized correctly, and the biggest thing is is when you try to push those to a mailing, there's always undeliverable mail because of these clerical issues. Like number one thing, most people mess up their zip code, they transpose numbers in the zip code, and that just okay. leads to a bunch of waste you wind up wasting money on postage and, and it's, it's actually a, a, an industry where people, that's all they do is they clean up addresses for clients to, to make that's sure that they can, they can properly mail them and, and contact them.
1: So why would we ever mail a, out ballots? There's a Given, lot. The, uh, given the, the, oh, yeah, the amount of flaws was, and echoes.
5: It was my first clue that they were going to steal the election. The moment they announced that they were going to mail in ballots, I was like, Oh, they're stealing this one. Interesting. <laughs>
4: well, Chris, Chris, you found out that uh, also that they were act- asking for two mail-in ballots per address, right?
5: Oh, well, actually, it goes further than that. When I called some of the Supervisor of Elections and challenged them because we were watching the addresses change, okay, so, like, it wasn't just Red Belly Road. This The, the, the part I wanted to finish is the day that I did that interview it was on the election day. The moment I got off the interview, my phone rang. And my partner calls me, and he's like, "You're not going to believe this. I just got the disc for 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 the next month, and the address now flipped back to 12th Street." And I'm like, <laughs>
1: "You've got to be kidding me!" So, where's your video? What's very your, where, watch, where where can I watch this video? I'm curious now. Yeah, this
5: this this all happened in the primary, where essentially 37 people had their address changed. About five ballots were requested to the fraudulent address. Okay, they put in they put in request the fraudulent address red belly road okay and and then they switched it back to 12th street and this is the thing that the weekend after the election not many people knew this we immediately went out our team went out canvassed that entire road we got affidavits from everybody on that street no one knew what we were talking about first of all they were like we never asked for our address to get changed we don't, we, most of them said that they didn't request a ballot. There was only one person that said they're going to vote, but they said they were going to vote in person. So this, the, this all jumped back at us like, whoa, is this how they're, you show up at the election and, and now they told you you already voted? And, you never, and the other thing that was very strange that when we were canvassing the 2020 election, probably primarily the thing we heard was two things. Either either we asked the person, did they vote, and they said no, but we showed them as voting by mail, mm-hmm. or there was a person in their household that they bought the house from, they voted by mail, and they were just perplexed. They're like, how is that possible? We never even got the mail-in ballot. Like They, they were thinking that the ballot would go to their address because at, when you looked at the official record, that's what the address was showing. That was the address on file was the official record. But what's happening is they're breaking the addresses to do identity theft. They're stealing ballots while the address is broken. Those ballots then get collected and then they flip them back. So when we going back to your question, I when we confronted the supervisor of elections on this and we were showing them address changes and stuff like that, they completely dismissed it. They said, Oh, snowbirds call in all the time and they asked for the address to be changed and i and i asked the supervisor of the election first of all how are you verifying their identity and second of all yeah. how many times are they allowed to ask for their address to get changed <laughs> and he said that they can send out 3 ballots per address okay
0: <laughs> Well that's
5: the thing that blew me away so the the law states that like for example you're standing in the poll booth and you make a mistake you can right. go and ask for another ballot, up to three ballots. But now we're allowed to throw—you're allowed to mail up to three ballots. But you have to don't turn those ballots in, though. If they, you're at the poll,
1: if, if you're at the poll, you don't get to keep your fraud ballot and, and drop that one off with the the corrected ballot. You only get one. Yeah,
5: that's the whole thing. That, that's but if you get the, three that's at the residence, chain of custody
1: issue. yeah. Okay, so let me let me get the let's get the idea of how this works. So let's look at it from the criminal's point of view. So you're stealing the election. You you want to change the address. So you get extra ballots to that address. You want to change it back and to cover your tracks that you got extra ballots to that address, you, you bring those ballots in fraudulently, drop them off or something like that. Give me the process. How, how does it work from the, how do the criminals are stealing the elections? How do they do this? Why do they do it? How do I, they do it?
5: This is one of those things that I tell people that I saw a broken window. I don't know who's doing it. Okay. I, I don't know what they're doing with it afterwards. Uh-huh. But we, we found a broken window in, in the building. So we know there was a robbery. We just don't know who's doing it. We okay. have some suspicions. But
4: you, saw, you saw a whole lot of the – I know that Hayes was the name of the SOE there, right? And yes. he went on TV, and he's pointing at this huge carousel of returned registered voter cards,
1: right, yeah. thousands
4: yeah. and thousands of them. And he's pointing at him going, y'all, y'all need to update your addresses. We keep getting all these back in the mail. So that kind of tells me that he really wasn't involved in the vote flipping
5: because he wouldn't have gotten on It's, it's hard to say it. because he fell on that sword for Reli- Red Belly Road, actually. And I don't know if someone basically threatened him to do, to do so he would because the, they they got real quiet after we made that discovery. They were calling okay. us liars <laughs> and constantly telling us that we were – spreading dis- disinformation. Like two weeks before that, he made a press conference that he was going to report us to the, the Tallahassee for spreading dis- disinformation. But you should have seen how quickly they all shut up. I mean, literally the entire state shut up. There well, was, there have, was one supervisor of on election that. that came out and
1: said a word after that. Okay, hold on. I want to establish, well, yeah, so yeah, establish yeah, who we're talking understand. about. I want, I want to establish who we're talking about here. So So which county, which state? You know, which uh, SOE is a is, secretary of elections or supervisor of elections? Because we got people around the country and actually around the world. we got a friend of my, yeah, mine sorry, in the Netherlands. In Lake
5: County, right where, where we're from, we, we started out in Lake County, Florida. Okay. And our, our supervisor of election is Alan Hayes. So during the time that we, we tried to just work with him at the very beginning, it was very friendly. Some, some, some uh, I call them the ladies of Lake. They were on this from the very beginning, wanting to just understand the process. But the more and more they would just be going to his office and asking questions, the more and more he would freak out. And he got to the point where he's just like, you guys are all crazy to even believe that there's something nefarious going on. And,
1: is he and in everything... denial or, or is he paid it was off more or
2: long lines
5: is just uh, I've dealt with this kind of type when I work with executives, they're just... They're just arrogant, and they think they know everything.
0: Okay. Meanwhile, like, I,
5: I honestly yeah. don't know how he got the job to begin with because he's just a dentist. Like, he doesn't know
0: <laughs> cybersecurity.
5: Okay, who does he know? He's a dentist, and somehow he moved from being a dentist. He was a senator of some sort. I don't know which county. And maybe he was Lake County senator, but he, his career is in dentistry. And how that qualifies you to do cybersecurity, and 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 run an election. I I mean I would
1: fu- I would feel was safer with an accountant than a dentist. Than a dentist. No, no. Was he a good dentist? I well, don't know. Chris,
4: tell them about the Epic Times interview with him.
5: Yeah. So Epic Times called him up during this release when we found this, and he said that basically, oh, this was us. We were doing a nine one one. We were using the nine one one data to update the 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 precinct changes after what's name after the the cards got released and he said that that was that was us you you can call 911 or or 911 and basically ask them that's the address that's for that road it's the uh, the alternative name for that road and the epoch times are the 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 what's name the author basically uh hung up the phone called up Lake County 911 coordinator and he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. We've never heard of that road before. 911 or, or said, yeah, we recognize that there's a Red Belly Road in Sorrento, but not in, in Claremont.
1: So, I mean, oh, it was boy.
5: debunked within
1: seconds. I wanna get back to the mechanics of this yeah. I want I want everybody to understand how this works exactly because we get you know, folks that, that are new to this in their county that haven't studied this in as much detail are wondering, gee, I wonder if my county's doing this and they could be anywhere in the country. Well right they're
5: now. doing it everywhere. So,
1: so we, let's we've let's talk about going
5: out to multiple states yeah. and
1: we found it everywhere. Well there's well, Hold, There's hold on, one Dan. thing I wanted let me, to tell you let me, real quick. Uh, let me, hold, on, hold on a second. I really want to get established this, that uh, the mechanics. Why, you know, so if people are looking in their county, they want to figure out what's going on. They want to start investigating this in their own counties. So the mechanics of mail-in ballots uh, from the address point of view, it just give me the, I want to really just go over the hows and the whys of how, uh, how that works exactly. Why would they change the address? Why would they change it back? What's, what happens with all these extra ballots? Are they, is it all ballot harvesting? Where are they dropping them off? off? Let's get the mechanics of this, and I want to get back to Diane's questions on more specifics.
5: Well, the thing that led us here is if you're, if you're a fan of Dr. Frank from uh, Mike Lindell's group, he does a presentation where he shows how perfectly carpeted and perfectly controlled statistically all of these votes are spread out. And okay. it literally goes down to the age groups and and everything else. And that's something that bugged me from the very beginning because that's not human behavior. It shouldn't mm-hmm. show up like that. So when you're looking at those results, it's like, how are, they, how are they getting the results that perfect? And the only thing that kept on bugging us in the back of the mind is how perfectly carpeted it was. We did an analysis. One of the first things was is that when I came in, I'm like, "Oh, this is going to be easy. We'll just look for the ballot like ballot volume in locations." And we did find that. Like this was around the time uh, tw- two, 2,000 mules came out, and I was we, I did an analysis and I found just about every high concentration ballot location in the state. So we we, we found like places like Okaloosa that had 9,000 ballots in like a courthouse things like that. But the problem was, is that there was this huge tail that was like in the millions that you would only see one or two ballots in an individual's house. And that lined up with our canvassing because when we were Uh canvassing, same thing, we would knock on the door and they're like, we don't know what you're talking about that we bought the house from them three years ago. How did they vote? We never got a ballot here. So that, that all went in, it led us in that direction. And, again, the mechanics are is it's it's essentially identity theft, okay, at 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 its core. They're essentially stealing people's identity and making it appear as if they vote. They must have some kind of artificial intelligence to tell that these people have a low propensity to vote, okay? We probably saw more of it because of Trump. Trump basically made more people get off the couch and start voting, and that's where they show up at the polls, and they're like, what do you mean I already voted? I didn't vote. I'm standing right here. I want to. I want to vote. And they're being told that they voted by mail in all cases. Every time we checked, a mail-in ballot arrived before they showed up at the polls. There was never a situation where somebody came in and faked their identity and voted in person. It was always a vote by mail ballot that showed up before they did.
1: Okay, this is and that's what led us in this this, camp
5: to go check the mail-in ballots. That's why we were purposely surveilling the mail-in ballots during the primary because we knew something was going on there. We never dreamed that we would found the vote flipping. We just knew that they were doing something to basically mess with people's mail-in ballots. We thought that they were putting in requests for other addresses and that we would find that other address still on the records. But what turned it out was that they, that they were, in fact, using fraudulent addresses but they were flipping them back to being the person's real address by the time the election was announced. So they were like literally, if you were looking the official bout of the official election, you would never know unless you canvassed. And it takes months to canvass.
1: You have they to don't. go out
5: and knock on all yeah. these doors to figure it out. And by then they're already in. If you ever looked at the election, they purposely only give
1: you 10 days to contest the election. Yeah. Okay, so this um, I got a a pattern forming in my mind here. This is this is fascinating. So not only are we think of stealing the vote as stuffing the ballot boxes, uh, blocking the counts, all the things we saw pulling out the the ballots from under the desk, all the things we saw during the 2020 election, all the evidence was presented by the Trump lawyers, Giuliani, Jenna Ellis on the uh, Arizona audit. But what you're talking about is something entirely different. Not only are they manipulating the votes, they're actually manipulating the voters addresses. And they're flipping them back yes. and forth, so they're, they're so they're changing the address to get extra ballots. They're sending those ballots in. They're using low propensity voters, people that normally would not vote, so they're less likely mm-hmm. to challenge, less likely to show up. And then, the ba- oh, and, then flipping, and then they're flipping the and then they're flipping then they're flipping the address back again to cover the tracks that they manipulated the address in the first place to steal these extra ballots. So this is premeditated. Yep. This is, and here's my other question, though, just real quick. The, um, in Florida, all information about voter information is public. Like I'm trying to get this off the Internet. So they've got our name, our address, our phone number, our birthday. Uh, they've got our party registration. They've got uh, all this kind of stuff, and it's made public simply because we registered to vote. So in Florida, yep. it's really easy especially to manipulate that because that's unfortunately public information. How am I doing?
5: Absolutely. I mean, and if you have enough budget, if you think about the amount of money that they throw at this problem, I've done this on a shoestring budget and I've been able to recreate this. It wouldn't be hard if you had a a couple hundred thousand dollars to create a system that essentially would track people that are not going to vote. The other thing is, is that it's really easy if you just do two things. You check Mm -hmm. the NCOA and you see who's moved out. And you also see who has a clerical error on their, on their voter record, and they're not going to get a ballot anyway because their address is wrong.
1: Interesting. What's NCOA or MCOA?
5: NCOA is the National Change of Address. So if, oh. if you've moved out of the state, yeah, the post office, if you've moved out of state, you may have gone to the post office and said, this is my new forwarding address. That, that feeds the National Change of Address. You'll notice yourself, if you ever did it, your credit cards magically know where you're going. You're, some of your, sometimes you'll get uh, like updates to your, your even your registration sometimes for your cars and, and your voter ID. If you move in state of Florida, they already mm-hmm. know because it's being mm. updated from the National Change of Address. Interesting. So who has, who has access to that? I mean, it's a, it's a purchasable list, but the governments typically have it because that's a part of the maintenance. That's, a, that's a supposed to be by law what the supervisor of elections are monitoring so if you do move from a county or move out of state they're supposed to clean you off the voter rolls that by law that's what they're they're <laughs> tasked to do but what's that's happening is is that there's two things we see in the data the, the, this gets very very complicated because when we found red belly We've road got time it's <laughs> we got lots of time i'm sorry I want yeah, to hear. at all but if you when we when we discovered red belly road it forced us to start taking into context the history of your voter record. Before, we would be looking at one month and just say, okay, they gave us the election for a, for November, for example. We stared at that for a year trying to figure out what happened in in November of 2020. But when we started laying in six months before the election, all this amazing information started to come out because we could see behaviorally who was moving and who was who is just flipping their address and flipping it back? Because it's one thing if you tell me you're moving to another county and you stay there, that's, mm-hmm. that's normal, but who right. moves somewhere and then moves
1: back the next month? <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, yeah, this is fascinating. So political parties. Can they buy this list? I mean, cause I know in Florida, they, oh, have, yeah. uh, out, they most likely uh, okay, are
5: right. definitely monitoring this as well on a month to month basis because they want to see, the growth, the Republican registrations, there's a typical, like you probably heard DeSantis bragging about it, that this was the first time in history that Florida outpaced, uh, what's the name, Democrats in registrations. So this is a statistic mm-hmm. they constantly monitor.
1: Right.
4: Hmm.
0: Hmm. Dan,
4: Eric, too. and Eric, too. They, you know, you were calling it voter, um, like voter fraud. I call it treason.
5: Oh, it's definitely treason. Is, because is. the thing is, is that when we announced this to the to to all of the officials, the silence was deafening. It was it was deafening. Like well, they already they knew. it. It's when I, knew, when right? I announced Red Belly Road, I thought we were being hacked. I went to the Lake County Sheriff's and and I laid out all this information. And this isn't my spreadsheet talking. We had print. We we had the actual voter identification card from from the person that lived on the street again this was a god thing the last person we interviewed on the street she's like oh i got my id card and we're like can we see it and she pulls it out and lo and behold it has red belly road printed on it okay we're we're taking a picture of her holding the cards and here comes the postman walks up and he's like yeah that was the strangest thing i've never seen anything like it for a whole month Everybody was getting Red Belly Road, and I didn't know where to deliver it. But I've known these people for 20 years because they've lived here, so I delivered their voter card.
1: So the name – Okay, wait The a minute. This mail is, I had to throw away, so I didn't know who, who it was for. So their names were correct, but the Even address – Even their
5: street number was correct. All they did was they broke the name of the road. So it went from 12th Street to Red Belly Road. But if whatever the street number was, like if it was – One, one, three. It stayed one, one, three red belly road. It was the most bizarre thing. I I show the spreadsheet where I flip back and forth, where you can see the exact same voter IDs, the exact same address, and literally Mm -hmm. the only thing that changes is the road. But wasn't
4: it like the one side of the street too, like all the even numbers on one side of the street?
5: Yeah, w well, it turned out to be that when we when we when we went to do the affidavits, one side of the street didn't get their their ballot or their their voter identification cards, and then the other side of the street yeah. stayed 12th Street.
1: And How many other streets in Lake County yeah, did you find this? It thing that
5: was very strange.
1: How many other streets in Lake County did you find this happening, or was it like is it you're still looking?
5: It, it was an incredible, like, again, it was a God thing that we found it, because I literally was looking about 400 errors at that moment, and we right. keyed in on that one address. When I did an analysis of the 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 Laura Loomer race for CD11, for Congressional District 11, there was over 7,000 address flips just in her district for well, that election.
0: Well, how, how
1: soon before for, the election? For the
5: primary. Well, okay. For her primary. And you have to understand, I think she only lost by about 4,000 votes.
1: See, they never so made there was big, about 7,000
5: flips always... that happened just for her district. And the thing was is that it's huh. so in, it was so incredibly hard without context at that moment. I had to literally, like the, when that happened, I dropped everything and just started building a system. It took about six months. But the system we have now is the equivalent of having a – I, I call it having a video camera on every single voter in Florida. Like we are mm-hmm. literally watching every single voter in Florida month to month. And we're watching what happens to their voter record. I shouldn't say we're having, You're we're amazing. watching the voters. We're watching their, <laughs> we're watching their registration system. Cause it sounds kind of creepy, but basically <laughs> yeah, because really we're crazy. surveilling, <laughs> we're surveilling each one of their, you know, how like they have that life lock system where it tells uh-huh. you if like someone's stealing your credit, we, right. we currently have the capability of telling you if anybody messed with your voter record in the vote last lock? six months. You got vote lock? Yeah, basically something like that. <laughs> incredibly, incredibly difficult to build. It took six months, probably six or seven days a week working on it since June. But it just rolled off like about like last week was the first reports we started getting. And
1: mm. we, we're seeing it all now.
5: We literally can so, tell when an address flips, when an address breaks.
1: So you've built the system, right? So your company built this. Is it available to supervisors of elections? Can counties ask you to monitor to make sure that their addresses are correct for their mail order? We we uh, just just
5: finished it. It was a proof of concept, and I just started seeing data coming out of it. It Uh might be, but to be honest with you, I'd rather keep it in control of the people, and I would rather be more of a watchdog than sell it to the government because if I sold it to the government – my gut reaction would be is that that they would probably put me under an NDA that I wouldn't be able to report back. I would much rather use it for grassroots. As much as it hurts so. financially because I I did this all self funded and I went into right. incredible amounts of debt doing it, but it, it, I I just it's it's one thing like I might be able to get a big check from the government for it, but my kids will probably be eating bugs if if we leave this and leave this in. <laughs>
1: So, NDA, and learning Chinese, yeah. so so an NDA learning is a non-disclosure Chinese. agreement just to define that. Yeah so you could you could work for the government, but then you, then you couldn't say anything. So in other words, they would censor you for for your good work if you actually you know: Well, uh, the other
5: thing is is I think back to Venezuela, the guy that created the machines for Venezuela, he had an unfortunate plane accident on the way back to Miami. Yeah so then would just yeah. have an unfortunate
1: accident in a business jet where a woman associated with the Clintons was killed? Uh, yes, she was yeah. the only victim of turbulence in a, in a jet while yep. while yeah. in a, in a business jet seat with a seatbelt belted she dies everybody yep. else is fine
0: uh,
5: So well. to me all I can think about is basically eat the bugs for my my children and my grandchildren <laughs> so as far as I'm concerned I would rather keep this in the grassroots and and in the people's hands Okay well, hey, Chris, we we are. say
4: regularly on this show uh, we are not suicidal <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we do that.
1: Yeah. So uh, all disclosures <laughs> out there. Um, Somebody you, might be if they try to
5: come to my house, though. <laughs>
1: <laughs> let me, let you me know, ask you about – one thing about, I forgot um, to tell you. Whole, one more whole, thing. Let all right, go tell ahead. Sure.
4: I went to uh, – this is back towards I, – I had a meeting with our Secretary of Elections and two of her top people, and I was telling them about the Red Valley Road stuff. And she came back with, "Oh yeah, well we heard it was a 911 database operator." Yeah. And I was like, "Oh no, 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 no!" And I,
5: so I straightened there's them out on There's the narrative, they, and then they, there's what happened.
4: And there's the, <laughs> and, and epic times. I got to give them congratulations on that because you know that's true investigative reporting where they went back and spoke with that, um, with the 911 database actual operator who went, "We don't even know Red Billy Road. We've never even heard of it. Why is this SME mm-hmm. blaming it on us?" So um, and, and their eyes got really big when I told them that. So um, you know we're trying to show them fraud daily. You know that this this is happening in our state and we've got to stop it. So,
5: the thing um, that's so creepy about this this part of the field there's there's a couple things you have to think about. First of all, this happens about forty five days before the election. So our guess is that they're forecasting. And if you know how they always said, oh. Florida's turning purple. Texas is turning purple. This is how they turn the states purple. Okay. There ain't yeah. nobody voting for these idiots. Okay. They're stealing yeah. this. Okay. And what they do is they make a forecast and they say, this is how much we need to overturn the election in, our, in the right direction. They mm-hmm. steal that many ballots mm-hmm. in a forecast all by mail. And then mm-hmm. whatever they need at the last minute, kind of like th- they probably call in the 2000 mule type people. deliver and stuff because they're monitoring it in real time every day so they know how many ballots they need to come across the finish line and then if they have to like they probably did for trump they call the printers and say we need a truckload of ballots but at the end of the day this is their initial forecast this is this is essentially how they build the foundation of how they will steal in the beginning and my in my opinion if you take their ability away to do this if you show up on election day and you vote, it's game over. There's no way they can print that many ballots at the last minute because these are – they're literally printing and, and stealing millions of ballots, millions. This isn't – 2000 Mules, they, they talked about the largest, the largest uh, part of their movie was something in, in Philadelphia, which I think was 275,000 mules or mm-hmm. 2,000, 275,000 ballots. And 1,100 right. mules delivered them. Okay, we're talking about a, a 26-foot box truck that backs up to the the post office in Orlando and drops off 100,000 ballots in about a half an hour. So that that's what you have to start thinking how are they about being scale.
1: Are they printed? Sorry? How how are these ballots being marked? Is that a system too? Is there like a a, a printing factory that that keys the right things on these ballots well, so when they're our, How our are they doing
5: suspicions, it? This is actually a really good segue into our suspicions that panned out. So okay. when we start seeing this, again, my background is scaling companies. So when I have to sit there and think about like operations, there's a difference right. between a mom and pop doing something in their garage mm-hmm. versus uh, an industrial size operation that's delivering millions. Like I could literally tell you the difference between a small pizzeria and a Domino's, of how they have to build distribution centers and everything else to get the ingredients out to different people Mm -hmm. because it's scale. It's just the size of scale. When you're talking about this, there is no way you're keeping a million ballots. Just visualize a million ballots in envelopes Mm -hmm. sitting in in someone's garage. You wouldn't even be able to close the door because that's that's probably about – I think each pallet holds about something about uh, 3,000 ballots or something, if I remember the math. Mm-hmm. They usually have them in carts for the post office. But in a 26-foot box truck, you could fit about 100,000 fully addressed ballots. And when I say fully addressed, they're, they're addressed to the supervisor of elections. They've already been filled out. Okay, they've already been signed. Uh, one, of our, one of our peers in basically Orange County was watching the ballots during this same time frame and she calls me up, and she thought something was very strange because everything's digital, and they want it that way. They don't want you to see the real paper. Okay, you're looking yeah. at pictures on a screen. So when you're looking at a picture of the screen, she said to the to the to the people while she's checking mail and ballots. She's like, "I need more signatures for this one. This one doesn't look right to me." She gets a history of the signatures, and lo and behold, the first signature that's on file is a 100% match to what she's staring at as far as the ballot si- the signature.
2: How mm-hmm. is that
5: possible? Like one for one, like you could lay it on top of it. It was exactly the same match. She called me like freaking out, and I said, ask them to see that ballot and bring in a, micro- or and bring in a magnifying glass. Because, again, I have a printing background. You can, you can see the difference between a pen and a print, print, under a magnifying glass it'll be like little dots when it's a printer and sure enough she 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 inspected that ballot under a magnifying glass and it was a printed signature Hmm. you got to understand all of our signatures in the whole state of florida are digitized when you go in to sign your driver's license you're signing a digital pen and a picture of your signature is basically stored in a computer so if you think that your signature is protecting the ballot, I, I don't. I, I, I got a bridge to sell you in New, New York. Like I don't know what else to tell you. Your signature is not stopping them from stealing your vote. They they have a, a an industrial sized system that they can they can skim off a certain number of voters either through flipping people's addresses or or making phantoms. They can run them through a printer, and we've seen countless examples of this across the United States, Arizona, just here recently with Kerry Lake, where you can mm-hmm. see that they're printing the bubble on the, on the ballot, and then right. they print the signature on the ballot, and they send it in. And, and the supervisor of elections, I'm sorry, they never look at a real ballot. They, the, all of that stuff, even the envelopes are opened by machines. Machines are – the, the ballots are spilled into a new machine from ECSS. That machine that? scans What's that? the signature, checks to see if the signature matches. And if it does, it opens the envelope, pulls the ballot out, counts, scans the ballot, and puts it in. Because you think they're counting a million – like in Florida, we had something on order of 4.4 4. – 4, something I think it was like the whole state was like almost 4.9 million ballots. Nobody's counting right. 4.9 million ballots by hand. That That's all machines. Yeah. They're not opening all those envelopes. It's all back Well, mechanized. actually,
4: in our county, and the smaller counties, we watched them, and they are opening them by hand. I watched them, and they actually are really good at checking the signatures here. Yeah, now, I don't know that they could tell that, red, that if it was a red. machine. Yeah. I don't know that they could tell if it was a machine signature, though, you know, and, yeah, but and, smaller and if it looked exact.
5: Exactly. When you get into like Orange County, Broward, and unfortunately yeah. like these smaller counties, you think we have an, we have that much of an influence when there's a presidential election or a senator no. or a governor's race? That's the whole thing. We no. can fight to keep and, our and, little counties clean, but what's in Fort Lauderdale and Miami are, are going to push over our elections.
4: But our fight yeah, is be our the big primary, counties. I would think. In our yeah. smaller counties, in our red states, our fight is our primary. Our, the general election is kind of worthless. They've already decided really? who's going to win. I mean, if it's a red state. Yes, so.
5: primaries are where they, they steal the most because they don't have to steal that much. The volume yeah. is so low, unfortunately, for the amount of people that vote during a primary that they only have to steal a little bit. And then it's hold your nose and, and pick the lesser of two evils for the general.
0: So how Question do we
4: solve this? I mean, if you can watch you can that. watch the databases and, and not flip back and fl- make sure people aren't flipping the addresses. And Greg and I, we came up with our legislation, and it would essentially end voter registration every year. Everybody would have to renew it every single year. And the very first year that they would have to come in, and I know this would kill every SOE, They probably matter in hornet's nest, but... Every single person would have to come into their SOE office, and they would have to prove their citizenship and bring in prove where they live and re-register every single year, just like your car registration. Do you think that would help?
5: Oh, it would go a long way. It would probably that that would be very stringent, and I wonder if it would hold up because there's been a lot of a lot of. Court cases in the, that went to the Supreme Court that that said you can't make it too difficult for people to register to vote or
0: to
1: Oh,
5: work. Well, it's so much difficult than your car. car. I get it. I would, <laughs> I would love that yeah. system because there, it would nearly be impossible for them to do what they're doing right now. Okay.
0: Yeah,
4: exactly. That's good And we know. clean the voter rolls immediately. This was Greg's idea. And then we kind of, Greg and I melded our ideas and mine is to get rid of the machines and to uh, count the ballots that day while, excuse me, while we're voting. You have, you put a partition in the room and you have bonded workers sitting behind a partition where they can't see who voted. Then they collect enough votes, I don't know, 10, 20, 50, whatever they want to decide. They take it over. We have four different counters in the room so they can each keep verifying and tallying and making sure that they have the correct count. You'd have your count by 8 o'clock at night if you kept your count up all day long with a paper ballot, and you'd get rid of these dang machines, and you wouldn't have the cost of the machines. You would have transparency. So um, we have... Yeah, there's a lot of great patriots
0: that
5: essentially dismantled everything around the machines. I didn't want to, to try and compete with what they were doing and, and re and recreate the wheel because they have that all laid out. I focused on yeah. the mail in ballots and the addresses because the thing about what we discovered that even shocked me when we were looking at it, we were like, man, we could get rid of the machines and they'd still be able to steal elections. Because if they were able yeah, to mail they get in it. these come ballots coming and
4: going, huh?
5: <laughs> yeah, the 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 way that they would mail in these ballots with basically stealing people's identities, we would be counting real ballots by real people, you would sit there and look back on the voter rolls and be like, that's, that's a real person, but they stole their identity right. Tell us, and you would never know. You
4: sent, you sent all your proof in to Cord Bird, what, last April?
5: Who's that? Uh, no, it first it's went right. out. I went to the Lake County Sheriff's department in June. No, it was uh, the end of August. So the end of August, right after the election, it was like the last week of August. I, I went to the Lake County Sheriff's and, and reported it. And cricket, right? Nothing? From everything. I filled out that application, or there's a number of forms that you you file a complaint with the state that you believe that there was election fraud. (laughs) And I was freaking out at that moment. I thought at the time, I was like, wait a minute, China might have hacked this, because I thought it was a hack. I, I didn't understand what was causing those to flip over. I just saw that they were flipping over. But when I saw the state's reaction, then I was like, oh, okay, you must be in on it. Because I I haven't heard a word. And it, there's other people that are like, oh, oh, we don't want to cause a panic that people will not trust the election system.
1: That's uh, already
5: happening. I'm <laughs> concerned. If there's yeah. if there's like a Trojan horse or something that's inside the gate, we need to deal with it and we're mature enough to deal with it. Like we're not a bunch of kids here. Either We're we're dealing with this as adults because if you're doing this in secret, you're just as bad as the enemy, as far as I'm concerned. I want to
0: see transparency.
5: Absolutely. I want to know what's being done. And we're all adults. We can all figure this out. We're not going to panic, okay? Just like you said, a couple easy solutions can be rolled out: a re-registration system, um, going to a single day paper ballot, hand counting. All these things can be worked out. We got plenty of time. It just well, I, I don't understand. Like if some of the things that yeah, we've got yeah. back from from their office is more like. It's more like just uh, condescending, like "Oh, we're we we got it. We're on. We got it under control." Really? How? Who, who,
1: who did you go I'm to not in the government? It. Who did you go to in the government that you presented the information to? Was it Florida State? Government? I myself
5: didn't sit in front of the, anybody, but there's been a number of visits to Cord Bird's office.
1: Who's that? Um, Who's that?
5: basically among um, um, members of our team there's been uh our coalition from lake county has been invited up to speak directly to cord bird and we presented all the evidence on red belly road and some of the other things we found there's also been defense that, went up there that we were in red contact with
1: no it's, it's, sorry cord bird let's, let's just get who cord bird is um oh, i'm sorry that?
5: cord bird secretary, is the secretary secretary of, uh, secretary of state of florida
1: Okay, so what is the Secretary of State's job specifically regarding elections in Florida?
5: He is essentially the head of the elections. He he is the the controller of all the elections across the entire state. They want to paint this picture that the supervisor of elections are constitutional officers, and that's Mm -hmm. the way it should be, in my opinion, is that the supervisor of elections do have control over their county election. But if you started understanding... This is another thing that I come from this background where I used to build uh, software for the state DOTs. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of the same kind of structure where you had states that were in charge of dispersing federal dollars for road construction, and you started to see very quickly who was in charge. A lot of times the states had nothing to say, like this was a federal contract or, or federal project that was earmarked by Congress and that money was going to come in and it was going to go to that contractor. And there, there's nothing that the, the state could really do, but uh, other than administer it, that's
2: it. Hmm. So let me ask you a lot uh, of times when I
5: I look at what's happening, I see that there's a tremendous amount of control in Tallahassee and not a lot of control at the local level. The big thing is, is cleaning the voter rolls. You should have the power to walk into your local County And Mm -hmm. hold your supervisor of elections accountable by saying, I found the following people that have moved because I literally know them. They're on my street. Right. And they should be looked into and removed from roll. We've we've literally heard from a supervisor election that they're like, well, if they don't contact us by themselves, we can't take them off and be like, well, they're dead. How are they going to contact you? (laughs) And they just look at you like basically that they're following the rules in their in their case. Like, that's the way yeah. they, they treat it. Like, hey, that's and the rule.
4: We got to we asked for SOE, uh, no, uh, what is it? Ask ya, to be able to get our task vote records. And we got them back. And they didn't even have any time stamps on them. And I'm like, that's not going to okay. help
0: us uh,
5: at
4: all. Define
0: but, all these terms. Yeah, they've been, like, they've been messing uh, you get, you with you us you got the terms.
5: Because as soon as they found out we had the ability to do that analysis, they've constantly thrown, like, monkey wrenches into that over and over again.
4: A FOIA is a Freedom of Information Act that you can ask for your government. But um and then the cast vote records, that is an actual snapshot in time of when ballots hit the system. And if you don't put a timestamp on it, it doesn't make any sense. But I know that when David Clements came in, he was showing uh he was using the, the cast vote records to show how you you'd have ballots come in but then you'd have like ballots disappearing. And he, it yeah. was a very interesting. So, but that's a whole nother topic. But did you want to get into FRA at all?
5: Yeah, I'd love to did talk I... about FRA because that, that's really been our springboard. We were bat, We had an okay. uphill battle all the way through the primary of last year. And Lou, Lou Marin is the vice president of uh, Florida Republican assemblies the the weird story, well, I should not say weird, but it was it was fortunate that every single time I I'm not I'm an introvert, I don't really talk that much. My business was basically dealing with investors and, and You're doing I really fine. basically. <laughs> I'm sorry? Yeah, you're doing great, didn't you? You're doing fine. <laughs> you're yeah. doing great. the only reason I learned this is because it, uh, it, investors have zero patience. Like I had oh. to literally swim in Shark Tanks on a daily basis. If you so much as wasted somebody's time at that level, you would never work again. Um, So I learned really quick how to deliver what was important Um, with, with Lou Marin, basically he was, he was him or somebody from FRA was always there or in the crowd while we were doing presentations from the very beginning. So it was very lonely at the beginning after 2020, it was like doing speeches to five people and two people would get up and walk out and say, you're crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, but after a while, we noticed that FRA was always there. So I went over and talked to Lou by, by fortune. Again, we were, we were scheduled to speak down in Palm beach for election integrity event. We went out to lunch, we hit it off. And he's like, so what's the problem? I was like, well, the, the Republican executive committees won't give me access to the voter records. I want to vote by mail records because I want to do this analysis. And this is after red belly road. And they they like slammed doors in our faces. They were like, "No way, nobody's getting that. That's that's protected by statute. You can't get it."
1: Wait my, and Our address isn't information I'm public. Re- I'm and, in the Republican
5: uh, Executive Committee of Lake County, but, and I wasn't allowed to see it either.
1: Wait a minute. So our information, our personal information of the voter registration, our, our name, address, phone, uh, email, party registration, that's all public. But the but the actual the voting records are not. <laughs> Wait a minute. Well, this is kind of a
5: gray area. And I get under, I understand why it's being protected by law, because mail in ballots are the only thing that you know of somebody's intent to vote. Every time you show up at the voter uh, voter poll booth, no one's tracking you. No one knows that you're going to the poll booth that day. But when you ask for a mail in ballot, you are now broadcasting your intent to vote. So they don't want people to be influenced. They don't want people to be uh, suppressed. So there's a bunch of laws around that to protect those people's identities. I understand that. And what I told them was you could take off everybody's voter ID and you could take off their name. I just want Mm -hmm. their address. I just want to see if their address is right. That's it. That's all Mm -hmm. I asked. And I said I won't be contacting these people. All I want to do is verify if their address is correct and I will send that information directly back to the supervisor of elections, which I did. In all cases, I've never broadcasted anybody. Even when I did the Red Belly Road stuff, I blurred out people's voter ID cards and, and voter ID numbers and, and their personal addresses for that reason. Um, but with this particular situation, Blue was like, oh, that's your problem? I'll have that fixed, blah, blah, blah. He he essentially gave me a promotion to the state level uh, of of. Florida for Republican assemblies. Within four days, I had access to the entire state's vote-by-mail record just in time for the, for the general. This was right at the end of September. I was able to run an analysis. It took me for about a week. I presented the findings to, to Lou, and Lou's like, we need to email this to every supervisor of election. So we got on the horn and built out a system and basically started emailing each supervisor election their undeliverable addresses, and mm-hmm. I, I would like to think that we had an effect on the 2022 20, general because we did not see – there was about 4.4 4, – no, 4.9 uh, mail-in ballots that were there. And I was freaking out, to be honest with you, because I really thought that they were going to steal it and give us Chris just to punish us for being bad little boys for, for not listening during COVID and all that stuff. I just thought that Chris? we were on their radar. What's that? I'm sorry?
1: Chris, what was that?
5: Oh, Chris! Basically, I thought we were going to get Governor Chris. Like Governor Chris was going to oh, come Chris. in. Oh, Chris! Okay, and okay. So make sure mass mandates about, on us and, and right. force vaccinations. Okay. So I was really thinking that they were going to steal that election, but we we broadcasted in September, end of September, that we knew every undeliverable. There turned out to be ninety six thousand undeliverable. But more importantly, we we put them on notice that we were going to be monitoring all of those addresses through the election period. So mm-hmm. we had those, we had that list <laughs> literally the weekend that they were going to start printing ballots. So we mm-hmm. knew all of the original addresses that were requested. And we watched and we monitored it all the way through the election. And, and it turned out that m- the majority of the ballots, I believe something around close to 3 million ballots were not used during that election. So huh. we, we wow. want to feel like we did something there because we just made sure I did not that every know supervisor you that. That election awesome. news. Yeah,
4: that is awesome. And again, mm-hmm. I
5: credit I credit Florida Republican Assembly for that because if it wasn't if it was just us in as a small local group, even if I sent those emails, I don't think it had the political momentum to make in a fair. difference.
0: Yeah. Lou, Lou yeah.
5: has been a firebrand and he's well known in all corners. I mean, he we're going well, to the a show. presidential
1: I've heard about him for a yeah, while. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. I would
5: love to get him on
0: too. He's he's a wonderful person. person.
1: <laughs> can you pre-screen the voter mailing list before they send out any ballots? Is there a way to do that? And oh, give a I report.
5: Can. I mean, that's that's what we do now. Should we mandate
1: that in law that uh, that mailing lists are pre-screened and corrected before every election, so the ballots go out where they're supposed to?
5: I use the example of, I don't know if you've ever built a website and you had to go to Google to get your business listed on Google. Google used to send a postcard to you and have you type in a code so that now they would know that your address is real because you got Uh a postcard delivered to your address. Right. And they would also then call your phone, and then you had to basically put back a a code from your cell phone. So they had both your cell phone and your physical address basically Uh – uh verified before you were allowed to be listed with them and i actually had clients that had their business address as a ups store which is not unusual they don't want to use their home if they work from home they don't want to use their home address and advertise that google Mm -hmm. would call back and say no 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 you're not allowed to use a ups store we need to know where your physical location is Mm -hmm. so it was hilarious to watch that level of scrutiny Mm -hmm. for google a free google listing versus what our government does. It's, oh, you want a ballot? Sure. Where do you want it delivered? They're like, literally, there's no verification other than, I think they say the last four digits of the Social Security number. And I'm like, uh, do you know how many times our Social Security numbers were hacked and stolen and on the black market? Like, any any yeah. anybody Every can day. do a search right now <laughs> and probably yeah. find their last four digits of their Social Security number somewhere online. That That's the most yeah, <laughs> Or, or okay. my, my favorite is when I was looking through the Supervisor of Elections training, I, I spent about four days going through the Supervisor of Elections training, public training that they're using for their own offices. And this is all coming from, this, from Tallahassee, training new Supervisor of Elections and their office staff. They were told that if someone had the wrong birthday, Social Security number, driver's license number on the form, that they were to correct it and put it through. So it, think about going to the bank, and you <laughs> can't figure out what your pen is for the ATM, and the banker just re, leans across the table, and he's like, don't worry about How much money you want? Like, this here, is just here, ridiculous. Let me, tell you, let me tell you what your pen is. <laughs> yeah, like it's the most yeah. ridiculous. They're going to sit there with a straight face and tell us that this is the most good. Yeah. We're the gold standard of security. There ain't no way that
0: our bank well, actually, our bill to
1: support us we have hey,
0: we'll uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, hold on we I mean, We've
1: gosh. got we've got provisions in, in the bill that uh, Diane wrote most of uh, that I that I included a provision that actually covers that that you have to prove your identity and there's several means of doing it and things that uh, that the well, state had that we actually deleted that you could not use anymore. This is what I've been you know?
5: adding to my presentations recently because after my experience with all of the stuff that we've gone through that we've we've shown copious amounts of evidence for the entire state this isn't something on a spreadsheet that i'm doing in my county i literally do this for the whole state and Uh and we and we get in crickets i've come to the conclusion where just like you can't create a gun-free zone or a drug free zone by putting up a sign right we cannot trust these officials to do this job what we need and again going back to fra the reason i went to fra People want it to be in this movement and say they're non-political. I will put, I will go on the record right now and tell you I am very partisan and I am very partisan. And what I want to replace every one of these criminals, because I can't mm-hmm. state that enough. They're criminals. Mm-hmm. When they sit there with a straight face and make these excuses and tell you that you can request three ballots to a fraudulent address, they are criminals. We have, we have a, a bill cows in orange County, telling people that oh well wait a minute i got a big family so if someone comes with 40 or 50 ballots don't don't try to stop them because they might just be carrying ballots for their family okay these people are criminals there's yep. no way you're going to legislate your way out of this we need good moral people to replace them and that's another reason i went with fra because we are on the 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 warpath against these rhinos and 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 and, and tra- traitors. We are going to find good Christian conservatives with moral values that put God first, and we're going to train them, we're going to support them, and we're going to get them across the finish line to replace the worst supervisor of elections in this state. And that's the only way we can fix this problem, because the thing is is people, people got to sit back and think about what's going to happen if you – even if you got a magic wand out and said, okay, I want all the, all the bad uh, politicians to go away – Who's hmm. going to replace those people? Who's going who's to run those elections?
1: Yeah, more That's big what politicians. we have
5: to focus on. We have to yeah. get the people that are going to replace these people and worry about yeah. training them up to ultimately take their place because it's the only way we're going
1: to solve this. If we hmm. let the,
5: the deep state do this, all they're going to do is
1: put another puppet in their place. This is fascinating. Uh, a couple more questions. Do uh, you, you have a few more minutes? We're at top, I need like yeah. five minutes. I need like five minutes. You got five more minutes, uh, Chris? Yeah, sure. Good. Well, maybe we'll take longer Ah, then. Uh, You got compliments from PSIG Frito, uh, who said, amazing work. Thank you for everything you do, Chris. Uh, That's on our live chat. So I'm not sure who that is, but they know you. (laughs) That's a good thing. Um,
2: Question on,
1: uh, can we, should we require that before a ballot is ever sent out, that the address is verified by the person requesting
5: that ballot?
1: Would that help?
5: Absolutely. But I don't like I really think that we should go back to the the, the, and again, the reason I can't help but draw a a big net over the entire the entire organization in Tallahassee. We used to have absentee ballots before COVID. I really think that they use COVID to to hoodwink us all into believing that we should be all on mail-in ballots. Before that moment of absentee ballots, you had to prove that you were military or you had a disability or there was Mm -hmm. some reason that you couldn't show up at the polls, like maybe you're a pilot or somebody, a first responder. It was very limited access to be able to vote by absentee. I don't believe we We should have mailing ballots at all as far as general accessible. Because no matter what we do, somebody's going to find a way around it.
4: So yeah. the
1: ultimate answer really we, we is we tried that, to put that uh, in our that, bill but it right, go ahead Dan.
4: We tried to put that in our we tried to put that in our bill but it got really complicated and long and that was another thing I wanted to do I'm like we'll we'll tackle that later but we'd already put in so much into the bill that we would have yeah, some horrible to have stories heart. came
5: out from the whistleblowers there were some whistleblowers in Orange County too that told us some just terrifying stories about how people how easily people sell their mail-in ballots. So the fact is, is that you could have a real person, a real voter, that if you called them in and say, yeah, I requested that ballot even, but they're selling their vote. So it, yeah. it's, I think it's more, it's more difficult to get that person to go in to vote in person and stand there face-to-face doing the crime than just handing an envelope to a ballot harvester, and now that harvester goes and votes for him. I've even seen it where they were telling stories about poor and elderly people. They collect the ballots, and then they go back and steam them open and change their votes. So, I mean, it just, again, I don't think we're legislating our way out of this. We need good, moral
1: people running our elections. So what it sounds like. Uh, and this makes a lot of sense that you cannot have a, any kind of mail-in system, which is what I favor. Is that I would eliminate all mailed-out ballots, mailed-in ballots. The only way you could get a ballot is to go to the the election office, unless under very strict criteria, like you said, you can get an absentee ballot w- when it's proven, when we have signatures verified and everything else, uh, or ideally somebody else will pick it up for you. But this is this is the this is, this is an amazing problem that's just I think it's just too much to do. And the other thing is that we we have this myth that uh, that because we have a right to vote, that we have to guarantee the ability of everybody to vote. If you, We have a Second Amendment, which guarantees that the government will not infringe on our right to keep and bear arms. But the government doesn't give you a gun, okay? You have to go and earn it. Yeah. Uh, free speech. You don't, the government doesn't give you a computer so you can exercise your right to free speech. In the same way with the vote, uh, I think it's critical for, for us to change the attitude about voting. You are guaranteed the right to vote, but you're not guaranteed a vote. You have to do something. You have to participate. And if you're incapacitated, and if you're in yeah. a nursing home, and you're oh, hold on, to that. If you're if you're older and you can't make it, and if you've you left or you've moved or you don't have your records, you don't have your ID, and all these things, this is conditional this is conditional that you, you know, yes, you have the right to vote, but the actual voting itself is conditional on you meeting the criteria to be able to vote, which means we're not going to give you a mail-in ballot. We're not going to take these ridiculous efforts. And if if people can't vote, then they can't vote in the same way that you can't, you're not going to be given a gun. You're not going to be given a computer for your second and first amendment rights. We need to change the attitude out there. I think that would be a huge difference. Chris.
5: Absolutely. I I always see somebody make a meme about how they're, they're supposed to – they're like, well, we have a right to health care. And it's like, okay, well, I got a right to Second Amendment. No, you don't. You need to <laughs> b- basically let me buy guns over the mail. <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: and they're yeah. like, no, no,
2: no, you can't do that. And it's like, oh, isn't is that the way it works?
1: Well, it's, we'll talk next a time segue. about, about like, rights. But you don't have a right to health care. You don't have a right to home. Yeah, exactly. You don't have a, a right to food. You have
5: a, a right is hand in hand with a responsibility. And that's, mm-hmm. that's the key to what we need to do now. Freedom to me, and liberty is a dead man' switch. The moment you stop pushing on that switch, it falls back to tyranny. There's a vacuum that happens, and people take over. I've watched it happen in Venezuela. The thing about Venezuela, they, they hoodwinked everybody by and it, it, they, they really were one of the first places that happened on a grand scale like that with the electronic voting machine. So it, I, I don't blame them for fully understanding what was happening at the moment,
0: mm-hmm. but
5: just as many times as we're distracted by which bathrooms to be able to use that, that conversation just drives me nuts because it, it is literally distraction. They are pumping that transgender junk out to keep people distracted from the real issue, which is the, the stolen elections. If we focus like a laser on Absolutely. elections, it, it will put all of this stuff back in check. Once we have good moral people in these offices, they are not with good conscience going to mandate shots. They're not going to mandate these these businesses getting their, their uh, just crushed under all of the restrictions of medical freedom and everything else where they were forcing their employees to get vaccinated and all this stuff. It goes on and on, but I mean – the big thing for the, that I think that sets the, the compass right is basically looking at moral people in these positions. And we, we the people, have to step up and, and do that. There's, we just can't sit back and wait for somebody to fix this problem. We have to step Absolutely. forward as watchdog groups, whatever your, your skill sets are. For me, mm-hmm. it was addresses. So I stepped up to basically do this for, and I've sacrificed a lot for my business and everything else to do this, but mm-hmm. that's my skill set. That's what I'm offering. There's people out there that are teachers. There are people out there that are accountants. I've even seen people that are willing to bake cookies for people that come together in a group. That's Everybody has to step up into this moment and do what they can to basically to, to take our country back. That's the only way it's going to happen. We can't, like we can't
0: wait radio. for yeah. somebody to come uh, along
1: and, and solve, a, solve this problem for us. Yeah. See, this is why I do what I do here and I have all you folks uh, that have gathered around and do this. And Diane does incredible work. Uh, I hope you can take a look at our bill because I believe legislation does not always solve the problems, but it can certainly create the conditions <clears throat> Excuse me, where those problems can be solved. If we can clean up the yes. voter rolls, if, if registrations expire every year. You know, December 31st at midnight like that if there's only paper ballots, if there are no machines, if the, the people are bonded, if they are counted during election day, there's no reason not to have the results that night immediately within like an hour or two of the polls closing. Anything else would be crazy if the ballots are never transported until the results are announced. All these just basic things. If our information and we we'll to do this in a separate bill, if our information is private, that is that the, the parties don't have access to it. Let me ask you a bigger question. I have uh, I believe that nobody in political office uh, should be able to belong to a party. I think parties have corrupted our politics so badly, but nobody questions the idea of the parties themselves. You know, the, it's like Democrats and Republicans run things. But where are the Greens and Libertarians and everybody else? Um, there's no access even to the ballot and the primaries themselves. The, the, the decisions are made. We only get to choose between who the Democrats and the Republicans put forward. But that mean, in, in any stretch of the imagination, those are the best candidates. There's no way that those people are the best candidates. They're just the candidates that we have to choose from. So if you really want to open up the political process, I believe that getting rid of parties or defunding parties or have nobody be a member of a party while they're running or serving in office would be a huge difference to the political process. That would be a revolution. Chris? There, there's, I, I, I come from a marketing and advertising
5: background when I, mm-hmm. when I did a lot of the stuff I did for my work because of cleaning addresses and everything else. And I've come to understand why we as humans like brands and, um, and it helps us. So, for example, hmm. if I wanted to buy a car, I know my own personal opinion that Toyota builds a, a fairly reliable car that, that I don't have to worry about my wife getting stuck somewhere because it broke down. So, hmm. that, that immediately, that brand allows me to go to the Toyota dealership and shop for a particular Toyota I believe that the Republican Party is an institution with a lot of history behind it. Republicans were the first to stand up against slavery. It wasn't easy. We had to fight a civil war to prove our point. We, we've stood up over and over again. We were the ones that passed civil rights legislations. We have a, a tremendous history. And if you look at Trump, Trump didn't run as an independent. He could have. He, he, a lot of people argue that he was a Democrat before that. But he mm-hmm. chose the Republican Party. And I, I, my, Lou, Lou Marin always talks about how he gave up and, and basically walked away from the Republican Party after he got screwed over as well. And Herman Cain put his hand on his shoulder and said, look, if you're not in a political party, you're not in this fight. That, that's the systems that we have right now. So, okay. again, going back to the Florida Republican Assembly, we're not tied to the Republican Party Directly, They don't own us. They can't dictate what we have to do. But we came together as good Christians to say, we're going to reform the Republican Party. And it's happening. We're, we're going into these counties, and it's already happened in Orange County, where they've taken over the, the Republican, uh, would say, name executive committee with FRA members and mm-hmm. essentially right, right the ship. Right now, because of what we're doing, it. I mean, in the future, maybe we'll evolve to a point where we won't need that to get away from that corruption. But today, that's the situation we're in. We have to take over either one of these parties to basically right the ship because those are the people,
1: unfortunately, holding the steering wheel right now. Okay. makes a lot of sense. I'm thinking not that I would abolish political parties. What I'm saying is that people, while they're actually in office or while they're running for office, they would have to be separate from a party. Uh, And the party can spend money on their behalf. The party can do all kinds of things. The parties wouldn't be changed, but just the actual membership so that when in Congress or when in, in the state legislature, that the parties wouldn't control the committees. They'd all be individuals representing us as individuals, but the party can spend anything they want on behalf of any candidate. So it's sort of, it's, it's, a, it's a distinction. I think, it, you know, hopefully it would be enough of a distinction. I can rethink it. I can make makes some really valid points that I'm, I'm going to consider yeah, uh, as I mean, far as it, that goes. It's
5: probably because of just the time that we've on, been on this earth and we've mm-hmm. seen this in our lifetime, it, all we've seen is corruption. But when you put the history in context, and you really read back into, like, I, I really, I I was a big fan of uh, Frederick Douglass reading his stories. He was one of the people that really inspired me as a teenager to mm-hmm. rethink the importance of our Constitution, because he was against our Constitution, and reading his, his books and his memoirs, he told how important it was that the Constitution is really basically holding our country together. And then later, when you watch Martha Luther King restate Mm -hmm. the same thing of saying hey guys the constitution says we're all equal why aren't we doing it this way like Mm -hmm. if we hold to these traditional values they're they're a they're a firm foundation that we can step on to go to the next level and again i i really i didn't come to this conclusion as well as i did till i started working with the florida republican assembly or because i i was the same way i was a I was a refugee. I left the the, the 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 Republican Party shortly after the Tea Party, after we were stabbed in the back for uh, Obamacare. And essentially mm-hmm. they didn't do anything for that. So I, I walked away disillusioned, didn't want anything to do with the Republican Party after that. But mm-hmm. Trump basically changed my mind. I, he, he pulled me back into this fight, and especially after seeing the, the election stolen from him, I I can see that we have to go in and reform this whole – on both sides because we have whistleblowers on the Democrats that are fed up with the Democrat machine as well. They want to reform the Democrat Party. And when I sit down with real Democrats, and when I say real Democrats, I don't mean these blue hair people that are talking gender Mm -hmm. studies and what bathroom to use. I'm talking about a a, a real Democrat. If you roll the tape back to the 1980s, these were people that wanted unions – they wanted workers to be protected. They wanted uh, more, more, a bigger seat at the table when negotiating wage rates and things like that mm-hmm. so they weren't taken advantage of by big businesses. They wanted laws to protect themselves. So we had OSHA and things like that to protect workers on, on job sites so they weren't abused and, and, and basically exposed to dangerous chemicals and then killed before they could ever get their retirement. That's a real yep. Democrat to me. They're worried about... Small issues I should say small issues because they're not small issues they're 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 just more for the the people centric side of the equation whereas demo Republicans were typically for the constitution free enterprise uh, uh protecting liberties protecting li- right to life things like that uh, so it, we we as much as we say that we're 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 not collectives in reality republicans are more towards a broader vision, I think, to protect people's individual rights. Mm -hmm. Whereas basically when I think of Democrats, they're more centric of like protecting the individual from big business and all and and things like that. So that's, 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 it's a weird dichotomy the way that basically it works out because Democrats are the ones that are, usually attracted to
1: communism for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> well, you know, and it's funny the, I wanted to talk more about it. When we get a chance to get you back, talk about the legislation we have here. And I want to give Diane a chance. I, I think I've sort of monopolized a little bit. But you look at most of our legislation, in fact, all of it, it's not really partisan. Uh, we have a bill that uh, would uh, eliminate a collection of money for withholding during the time that people are earning their standard deduction. So why should you have to apply yeah, for yeah. your refund uh, a year from now when it shouldn't be collected in the first place? Now, the Republicans yep. could say, well, this is a tax cut. This is putting more money in the economy. This is a great idea. You know, and the Democrats could say, well, this helps working families. They get their money this year instead of next year. That's a great idea. So most of you look at any one of our bills. And and most of them can be looked at from a traditional Democrat and from a traditional Republican position, not a huge corporate big business position and not a huge big government position. That's the difference. And that's where I think our 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 legislation is really geared uh, towards the nonpartisan and the classic Republican, classic Democrat positions.
5: Yeah, I think that the biggest problem we all face as Americans is that our political parties don't reflect our grassroots values. Hey, you, could, anymore. you could agree with any Democrat that, like, if you <laughs> sit down and you say, well, does your do your political politicians basically reflect your beliefs? And they would say, absolutely not. Yeah. Like, it, it, that's the biggest thing that unites us right now, is that mm-hmm. we have this yeah. monolithic monster that's trying to dictate down to us tyrannically, like, what how our lives should be. And both, we can unite on both sides as Americans, and we're doing it right now. Again, for, Florida Republican Assembly... We might be Republicans, but we're we actually were helping one of the Democratic whistleblowers pass out food for, for Thanksgiving because literally all of her supporters abandoned her,
1: the so Laura we Loomer? came
5: to the rescue or, and helped no, her. I mean, Who we're all that? Americans at the end of the day. It's just that we believe what we believe, and we as a, as a Christian as well. I, I'm not going to ever stamp down a fellow Republican, or I'm sorry, a, fe- a fellow American. At the end of the day, we're Americans.
4: We've been yeah, pitted no, I, against each
5: other. I agree, absolutely.
4: And Diane, it's been
1: intentional. You a... Go ahead. Do you yeah, have I more questions, We've been pitted end?
4: against each other. Yeah, we've been pitted against each other, and I think it's been intentional. Yeah. And it's it's pretty much uh, a group of people who are basically trying to take over the United States. And so yes. we, as Americans, as honest Americans, it, it, it's wonderful to watch people with the fire that all basically all three of us us have and it's honest hardworking Americans that want to take our country back and I, I just appreciate you so much Chris and I've learned so much today and I'm really looking forward to having you come Chris is going to actually be speaking at Wahoo for our election integrity and I'm really Wahoo! excited about that
1: sorry yeah <laughs> to it. and it's
4: kind of a tradition um, is there anything else that you wanted to add today um, any sites that you want to have any uh, anything that you want to add and your group too if you want to blog, anything for that?
5: Well, if people want to learn more about just election integrity specific or they want to reach out to me, my website is the-peoples-audit.org, all hyphenated, thepeoplesaudit.org. I specifically am doing election integrity. If you feel the the, the uh, blessed enough to be able to give a donation, it would be really helpful because I've been basically self-funded through this whole fight and had to give up a lot of my revenue to, to do a lot of the stuff we're doing. I, if you wanna learn more about Florida Republican Assembly, it's the full word, Flor- floridarepublicanassembly.org. We're just starting to move the, the chapters into one state level website. So a lot of stuff should be coming onto that website here very shortly. We've been really astounded by the, the, the interest in joining Florida Republican Assembly since we did this this thing with mail-in ballots. And right after the general, when the word got out that we were doing this, a bu- I think we had like at least five or six counties join up like, like right away. Mostly were around uh, election integrity issues because that's primarily, but the other thing people have to keep in mind is Florida Republican Assembly has a number of committees. They're really uh, staunchly pr- protectors of human life so there's there, the, the whole initiative now that I think there's a Florida amendment that we're working on to protect the uh, heartbeat bill, I believe it's called.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: And then uh, the, the other thing we're, we're dealing with is self-sufficiency. So we have some people that are going to be speaking here in April for our event in Orlando for uh, self-sufficient landscaping. So you could, like, have food as you're landscaping. Really interesting topic. We have some wonderful oh, people huge. that are in cloud
1: Yeah, I that wanna, are I teaching get those folks people the shop. how
5: to basically grow their own food.
1: Yeah, that's, that's going to be a, a big but it's deal. It's amazing because
5: especially... you can you literally have a bush that's spinach that grows all year round, and you don't have to maintain it. It's, like, it's some wonderful stuff that I didn't even know existed in Florida. Natural, natural plants that you can grow all year round.
1: Uh-huh. Well, I hate lawns. I have a campaign against lawns for years. Lawns are a stupid waste of yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, have you had a chance to look at our website, com, which is where we put all our legislation? I
5: have. I just got introduced to it by Diane when we first met, and okay. I have been going through it. A lot of great stuff, and I really appreciate it. I was hoping that you guys help us out as, as well, because... In Florida, I have to say that I haven't met anybody that was more on the legal side. And, again, this is all about building coalitions. If we're mm-hmm. able to reach out with people across the state that have different skill sets, if you know and you've done this, that's the best thing is just reach out to somebody that's already has success in a particular area and, and hopefully partner up with them to do that. Because there's well, a lot the of great idea. ideas. Yeah. But all we've do, done so far is we've presented to law uh, to to our, our legislators as like a as a wish list. Nobody actually took the time to write a law. I'd love See, to that's talk we do. to you about proving yeah. residency in Florida. You want to talk about uh, 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 a tar pit? Basically, mm-hmm. there there's some real big problems around proving residency. You could literally yeah. that, that's a that's a separate subject. But short version is you could walk into a supervisor of election write on a piece of paper that I live at this address. You can get a supervisor of election voter ID card from that piece of paper with your registration without proof of citizenship or anything. Just basically get your <laughs> yeah. registered to vote. We've and then you can that use here. use that. Yeah. This, is the, this is the clincher. You can use that voter registration card that you just got handed into a walk into a driver's license, and that's your proof of residency now at the driver's license to get a driver's license. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine why in Miami they put that piece of paper online so anybody can essentially fill out a declaration of domicile, they call it.
0: Mm-hmm. That's yep. what that Pete Antonucci
4: was fired up about before he died. Yep. You knew Pete Antonucci, and he, yep. he's my hero. And actually I put in my bill is in honor of him. So, um, yeah, he,
5: I he, I, I, it was just sad that he got taken away from us so early because we actually talked to him that last week that he was alive and he was fighting for us down in Lake County. Sad, sad story. But I mean, the biggest thing is well, that I, we need a lot of help around that residency explaining because they, they have residency clearly defined for uh, in-state tuition for colleges. That's rock solid. And uh-huh. they also have residency de- declared for taxes. So you can't. You can't just go ahead and live in New Jersey and say, I have a Florida resident and skip out on,
1: on Florida so taxes take, or New Jersey taxes. So take that same criteria. But
5: registration for voters, no,
1: you, you don't have anything. But if you take that same criteria, see, this is, this is where model legislation is great because then you can say, okay, Florida's already doing this for taxes and for driver's licenses. Uh, I think it was the two you had, whichever ones you had. Um, but you can take the same criteria and be consistent and say, okay, we're going to apply this to uh, getting uh, voter registration as well. You know, you have to. Yeah, exactly. Make that's that's what my
5: argument was. Yeah, my okay. argument
1: well, is, is if you're going to
5: apply the law, at least apply it equally. So yeah. if, if yeah. for example, I have to show up at the poll booth and I have to show ID and prove that I'm real and and, and before I can vote and and I'm a citizen before mm-hmm. I vote, why is it so easy to vote by mail? They have to apply the laws equally. That's all we're yeah. asking. Yeah. Well, is this is One thing that I
4: really wanted to. Okay, go ahead. One thing I really wanted to send home on this is, this is why our governor's scaring me so badly. Because right now, he could get anything passed that he wants to, according to a lot of my contacts at Tallahassee. If, you know, he knows, well, I hope he knows that 75% of Republicans do not believe Biden won. And if you've got 75% of one party that thinks that this whole election was crooked, why in the world would you not be yanking these machines? And he doesn't ever even talk about it. So I'm I'm extremely worried about our governor right now. And that makes I heard somebody
5: say it at, at one event, and I have to admit that he might be right. He he said, "Well, if we get rid of the machines, how on earth is uh, DeSantis going to beat Trump in the primary?" And That's it exactly was a scary what I was
0: thought. I to say, yeah.
4: Yeah, it was he, a very scary he cannot beat him unless he has the machines, and and you know he has he he's already proven to me with and there's a couple of other bills that he's killed, and that that's for medical freedom, and it's it, it's like he is just listening to the Uniparty now on the major things that he can get money for his election, and on the other things like LGBTQ and all that other stuff. So he's all fired up about that and school books for kids. Thinks that he's not getting money and feedback from, but, you know, from the unit party, but making them all, oh, all these big grand gestures about, I'm so worried about medical freedom and about, you know, and, and, and he does absolutely nothing with election integrity. It's a dog and pony show. And, you know, you get a bunch of uh, felons to come vote and then you arrest them. And that's basically all he's amounted to for election integrity for Florida. So I, I don't know. We're, we're watching you, Governor DeSantis very closely. And I know that your uh, FRA has got a meeting with his chief of staff. I hope that they can share some of our worries with him. And say, yeah, please I mean, remove we have a lot. Machines. It's a
5: long list. And, and it, I, I, yeah. I, I am focused on elections, but in my heart, I'm not a doctor. I think the primary thing is to stop the jab because there's so many people – I, I hear – there was a moment where on a daily basis, three ambulances sp- screamed by our house on a daily basis for, for months, and I knew that it was well, all a, because of the shot. A
4: slap in the face. There, there, he's up there with Walmart at the Capitol this week giving these yeah. shots. That is a slap in the face to medical freedom. It's in, 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 yeah, I mean, and it's
5: just, that, that's my primary worry is that they're, they're slowly creeping that in one way or another, either by making it required at the schools, even the people that are, it's literally, I think there's enough proof now that it's beyond a shadow of a doubt that these things are killing people. I mean, I think, what was it, that bird flu thing that they did a couple years back that it killed 50 people and they halted it for the whole United States? Mm-hmm. I mean, we have yeah. thousands of people, if not close to millions of people now, that it, it's pretty apparent that these things yeah. are dangerous. If it's not killing, killing.
1: them, it's maiming I have well, my we, own
0: brother-in-law, uh, yeah.
5: a pacemaker, at
1: 35 years old. That's crazy. Oh, wow. Let me, let me give you something. So you we can don't take need to go to, down that to, rabbit hole. But <laughs> well, no, let me just give you something you can take to the FRA, because I want to get involved this. In. So here's, this is, I mean, the story, we've been covering COVID since February of 2020. Okay, so we were way ahead of everybody else on this, but we have a bill for vaccine Mm -hmm. product liability. Okay, it needs to go to Congress, but it could be done at the state level. So here's where I see us working together in that this uh, – Matt Gates calls us the ideas factory. So we are really good here at writing the bills, getting them all set to go. But what we don't have is a network to distribute them. We don't have a network of people uh, and organizations well, welcome to continue to Well, the FRA. Bills. <laughs> Well, that's what I'm saying. This is why I said this. This is why you're on the show, Chris. <laughs> you, you know, anyway. The FRA, the whole point this... it's, it's – uh-huh. that was the... – oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say you can take any of our bills and run with them. These are public bills. This is public property. We make no claim to them. You know, once it's out there in the public domain, once we especially when in the all proposed law section, you know, once it's there, you can take it, adopt it, run with it, petition it, you know, send it out, have people copy the links and send to the legislators, lobby. You can do whatever you want with these bills. That's why we Or we, write we can
4: them. write a bill with you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Or we can write yeah, a bill for you when well,
1: I well, We,
4: really, go go we really want to take the the legal ease out of it and, and make bills understandable where normal people can understand that. Exactly. The Uniparty party has made everything so friggin' complicated where people look at it and they don't want to read it because they don't understand it. But that's what Greg and I really want. Things to be simple, things, things to be understandable and, and get the citizens behind it and get this stuff passed where we can stop, take out the nonsense.
0: Mm-hmm. So, yep. And
4: we'd love to partner with you guys.
5: Yeah, the FRA, one of the first things I came to understand, because, again, I thought FRA was just basically a part of the Republican Party. After I found out that they were completely separate, have their own bylaws, they're not beholden to anybody, the, and literally the way that the FRA was minted uh, was from the the it, what got ultimately Ronald Reagan elected was the California Republican Assemblies. The California Republican Assemblies were really basically the, the, the vehicle that uh, Ronald Reagan won the governorship of California, and they reformed the Republican Party. At that moment in time, they they spun off and made a national brand in 1996. And one of the things, because I was I was checking out what they call I don't you probably have it up there as well. It's called the Republican Liberty Caucus. Um, mm-hmm. There's a number of groups. There's Moms for Liberty. There's like oh, even in Election Integrity. We have like Defend Florida and things like that 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 circle around. But the thing about the Republican or Republican assemblies that really blew me away was you get to keep the majority of the money that goes towards dues in your local chapter, whereas mm-hmm. some of these other organizations, they put the majority of the money up to the national the national mothership to call it or whatever you want to call it. Well, they're fundraisers. So they yeah, they, they're have just a lean, they have a very lean structure at the top level, and it's only really basically to coordinate the chapters from a legal standpoint, and then all of the power, all of the decision making is at the local community. We we, we signed up uh, Sarasota here recently, they were like, so what do we do? And they we're like, well, whatever you guys want to do. That's your decision. You're, <laughs> you've elected a president. You, yeah. It's What do you feel in your local county is the... the and it, it was like a breath of fresh air because they're so used to being told what they can't do at the REC... <laughs> <laughs> yep. They didn't know what to do at that exact moment. But the funny thing was is that the the people that were attracted to the meeting were exactly the people that were doing all of the work at the RECs. These were the people that were knocking on the door. RECs? The Let's
1: the, define that yeah. for people.
5: The RECs are the Republican Executive Committees. There are okay. local Republican uh, parties that we have in each county. Mm-hmm. And the weird thing is we that have to do all here. this work. <laughs> they're They're making the phone calls. they're doing the door knocking. They're setting up signs. and what would happen in most cases is that somebody that was at the REC executive, they would just be like taking credit for everything that those people did as work. So what happened when we started setting up these these county committees is now the person that was doing all the work is they're the one in charge. They're the ones that know how to reward volunteers and and know mm-hmm. the value. Good of somebody giving up their weekend to come out and put out signs. I mean, these are all good Christian people that they, they understand what we're doing here. We're trying to take our country back. This isn't the swamp that, and this isn't the good old boy network that that we're forming here. And at the end, it's up to us. It's, It's totally up to us. And if something doesn't go right, it's on us. We have full accountability to write it. We, we have, we have the full, Uh, the full the full capacity to do it because you don't have to go up the chain and ask the national or the state level what they think about this particular topic before they're allowed to release now going back to what you were saying before the idea behind the 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 network of the republican Mm -hmm. assemblies is to spread the word is to spread the resources is to spread talents sometimes like from in my case when i did the election integrity I have a talent that I could serve the entire state. That's why I was brought on at the state level. These committees and these structures, they work at the state level and the local level. You can have a small committee at the local level that's, that does medical freedom, or you can have a state level, which we have as well, where we have people that are constantly uh, monitoring the bills, putting out what we call call to actions, which is if we see something that's coming across legislation or or something in the media, we can light up a call to action, and a call to action goes out to all the members, and now it's light up the phone lines, send the emails in, let them know how you that's feel. What we need. And it works that's the what other we need way, when we too, because when, when they got rid uh, of that, Eric,
1: yeah, we yeah. sent
5: thank yous to Tallahassee as well.
1: Yeah, that's important. But this is why it's so critical for us to work together because, you know, my talent is writing legislation and creating a system to teach other people how to write legislation and to get a webmaster to create a – unfortunately, he passed away from, you know, uh, hospital procedures. But the reason we have WriteYourLaws.com is because somebody believed in what we're doing and and took that vision uh, for a simple way for people to write legislation where anybody can do it. And so if you can run with it and find the bills you like, particularly right now, vaccine product liability would be perfect at the state level. Our bill that eliminates big tech censorship would be perfect at the state level. You know, uh, Diane's and and my bill, mostly hers, on election integrity would be great right now. Now, I know the session's already got all the bills for this session, but this isn't the only session we need next year. But let's start talking about it because where it's really going to be important is 2024. That's what we have to gear up for right yeah, now. absolutely. But if we, the more we work together, the more we put this uh, um, this group that uh, we write the bills, uh, and we, you know, this is the, the, our specialty. And you guys, you know, have the committees, you have the networks, you can run with them, and we can work back and forth. I can teach you how to write bills. You can teach us how to how to network better. That'd be great. Um, Diane, do we have a, a RF, uh, FRA committee around here? You're probably running it, right? Oh. So no, no, no. Show.
4: We are actually talking to Chris about it Thursday. They're going to okay, do good. a presentation for all of us okay. Thursday. So, Sounds um, good. and you're welcome to jump on that too with the Zoom. So I'm looking oh, forward to that, Chris.
1: Send me the invite. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be there. But uh, yeah, and Chris, check check out the shows. In fact, yesterday you might find it interesting. We had Brandon Straka from uh, actually it's pronounced Straka. Oh, Walkaway. Out. Yep. From Walkaway, he was on yesterday for like an hour. Mm-hmm. It was great. You know. So, it, and it's, it's the same thing. It's the same disillusionment, the same, you know, for, for the reasons that people want to leave right. Republicans, he left the Democrats. And we're all we're all Americans. We're all we all believe in our country. We all come up to it from a different place. And it's OK. You know, as long as our, our hearts in the right place, then we can all work together and, and fix this. But taking the country back, I think, requires it, it's a lot easier for you to be able to go. To, instead of having a wish list, as you said, say, please do this. And then the representatives say, well, we're doing the best we can. It's something entirely different to say, here's a bill. This bill works. We've already been over it. We've checked it out. This is what you need to do. This will help. And put it right on their desk and say, here you go. You know, let's, let's get this. Can we get this in the committee hearing? You know, and then if they modify it and, and change it and do all kinds of other things to it, you can say, wait a minute. That's not what we gave you. <laughs> this is what we gave you. And, and that's, it's so we much a stronger negotiating go. position. Go ahead, Diane. <laughs> I said, we better let
4: Chris go. We've been on here for a long time. No, it's been great. So. Can you
1: yeah, hear me? Yeah, yeah, Chris, I'm sorry. Oh, I got some time. I, I, I been... can still talk. I didn't know how long the show was. Well, it it it's sort of ends like 35 minutes ago, but they give us overtime just in case, and so we're using it. But I don't like to abuse it for a list too much. But uh, yeah, Chris, unless you have um, anything else, I think we should hold it for next time because we could go on for literally hours. Um, websites again, guys, contacts, <laughs> groups, uh, any final words, anything, words of encouragement, anything you want to uh, to go on, and then I think we should just uh, hold it up, and we'll just pick it up next time. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Well, When you were
5: talking, you were reminding me of an old um, flag that was during the Revolutionary War where it had a snake cut into a bunch of pieces and it said, unite or die. Mm
0: -hmm. And
5: that's always been burning in my mind while we're going through this. And I, I, again, I was a small group with election integrity. I built a coalition with Florida Republican Assemblies. And and the reason I partner with them is because they're more than more than willing to work with all sides. I mean, they're they're they have mm-hmm. Democrats. We've partnered with General Flynn. We've partnered with Mike Lindell. So we we are like essentially. Are you in contact with them?
1: Coalitions. Sorry to interrupt. I'm yeah. sorry. Are you are you in contact with General Flynn and Mike Lindell directly?
5: No, not at all. I I <sighs> had a presentation with General Flynn last year. Uh, when okay. We were, this was. This was before when we, everybody believed Florida was the golden state for elections. Uh, but basically, I've recently been hired with Cause of America. I hope to have a, a nice face-to-face
1: with Mike Lindell here shortly, but I haven't met him yet. Well, we need to talk then, because I've actually been on with Emeril Robinson, which is on his network. But so we want to get citizen legislation directly to him and then directly to Donald Trump. My goal is to partner with the Trump 2024 campaign directly. So that he has that. Yeah, that's to what we're trying to do as
5: well. One way or another, okay. we'll definitely
1: support him on the ground. Okay. Yeah, but I want to, I want him running we're on all our legislation.
5: On the
4: same
1: team. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, let me give you one last bill. I know there's always more. Uh, we I wrote a, a constitutional amendment to, to take away the power of Congress to borrow money. That's how big we we think in scope here. That would change.
5: Oh yeah, year. that would be helpful.
1: Yeah, you like that. They okay, be so borrowing
5: that's for sure.
1: I'm going to send you like They're five or six bills. They've given it to Ukraine. <laughs> yeah, I'll send you a few bills to take a look at um, after the show. But, um, Diane, anything else? Uh, anything we haven't covered? And then, no, uh, thank Chris you, again. Chris.
4: And looking forward to tomorrow.
1: Yay. Same here. Send me yep. yep. the link.
4: <laughs> we really appreciate you coming on, Chris. I enjoyed it. And, please, yeah. we want you back anytime you want to come back on the show. hmm
5: and just so last if anybody needs to to find me online i'm mostly on telegram at the peoples audit all one word and then as well on truth social under the same but those are the two two on social media that i typically do and then our website thepeoplesaudit.org all hyphenated couldn't buy the the domain i think it was owned already <laughs>
4: That's, he's got a really good video on there where you're interviewed by – I don't know who the woman is, but he, and it's where he explains all of Red Belly Road if you have it, if you want to show it to
5: any of your friends.
1: Is that oh, the yeah, one there's a number of the videos, videos
5: under our news thing. sections. Yep. So, so where the video that you had in interview. all the
1: notoriety? Where's, where's that first one you talked about, the one that I haven't seen yet, the Roger Stone thing? or Oh, that was shown in Roger Stone. What was that video? Was it the Red Belly Road? The one we first talked about? The
5: first right. time right. I right. announced Red Belly Road – It was on the Roger Stone, but that was basically on the day of the election for the primary, so it was like August, end of August.
1: Where where is that video?
5: It's on that website as well. It's under the news section.
1: Which website? Just to make sure. Hey
5: Chris. Uh, The People's Audit, thePeople'sAudit.org, under a news section. Okay. Dan. Hey
4: Chris, you know Joe Altman? Joe Altman will be at Wahoo Stadium when you're there. You do realize that, right?
5: Yeah, can't wait to finally meet him face to face. I've had a couple calls with him.
4: Yeah. Yeah, we're real excited to have him and David Clement. Uh, it's well, going to be know. a good night. It's everybody, uh, of course, Greg will be speaking as well. And, I get uh, I get to talk to you all the time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's true.
4: But uh, everybody, save the date, April fifteenth. I uh, no, April fourteenth, from six to nine p.m. at Wahoo Stadium, and then Saturday, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be all day long on a golf freeze. We're going to be putting out the flyers pretty soon. I'll have it on our Action Radio Election Integrity Project on Facebook, and um, if you, we're going to try to get the flyers out everywhere. We're going to be sending it out with core, our core newsletter. I need to get you hooked up with our core newsletter too, Chris. And um, okay, but great. we're real excited about the event. And Same here, Crystal. I think he's going to be leading off. I uh, hope I the do well. I've really spoke of to a
5: large crowd before. I'm not a public speaker. <laughs> Well,
4: I can help you with it, and we we have some uh, Deb Deb is going to be running it, and she's really good. She's already done two events for us out there, and um, she's our one of our really good physicians here that's been fighting for medical freedom and saving people's lives in COVID all the way through COVID.
5: Well, you guys so, are doing um, God's work. That's probably be, the most important battle right now.
4: It's a, it's we got a fabulous team here. Um, I found some really true friends and some people that I really trust. And we had a great group and happy to have you join our happy family here in our county. It's, it, you know, if not online most of the time, but um, we're excited to have you come out and to hear tomorrow. I want to hear everything that um, it's, what is this? The FRA, it's, what's his name that's coming tomorrow?
5: Uh, Lou Marin.
1: Lou.
4: Lou Marin. Okay. Yeah. Excited yep. to hear from Lou too. Okay. Thank you for coming on today.
1: Thank you. Yeah, we're done. We got to go. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. <laughs> yeah.
4: Appreciate it. All
1: right. Have a great day. All right, uh, you too. And Diane, of course, we have to chat about all kinds of things. Uh, but Lou, like, I've heard the name Lou Marin before, so it's been recommended be So we have some. This is why this is so critical today. All right, Greg Penglis for Action Radio. I've uh, got Diane Warren. Uh, Warren, <laughs> Warner, uh, blah, blah, blah. slow down, Greg, uh, with the election integrity report <laughs> and. I'll be back tomorrow at 7 a.m. Central Time with all kinds of new stuff. Who knows what's going on? Uh, Weekdays, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. Central Time. And the website you're listening to right now, blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Our legislative site is writeyourlaws.com, W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. My substack, gregpengliss.substack.com. And if you want to contribute, givesendgo.com slash actionradio. Email me, greg, at writeyourlaws.com. And we'll do it all again tomorrow at 7 o'clock got a few announcements to play, and then uh, my, our classic music collection, and that'll be it for today. So thank you, everybody, and talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks, Greg. Do you know your way around health care, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't, which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care. at gracecare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Grace Care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. From addiction to achievement, that is the story of Mike Lindell. It started with MyPillow and now goes to My Coffee. Action Radio is proud to be an affiliate of MyPillow. Our discount code is the same for all our product affiliates, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws. My Pillow Pillows are guaranteed the most comfortable pillow you'll ever own. Action Radio is guaranteed to be the most controversial show you will ever hear. Check out their products with our discount code at mypillow.com slash W-Y-L. That's mypillow.com slash W-Y-L. Or order now by calling 1-800-544-8939. That's 1-800-544-8939. Sleep well so you can wake up and hear Action Radio live.